being frozen is like the worst thing in this game, especially yeah. in a room full of enemies. You did know to jankle your stick, right? The... I was. <laughs> jankle your stick? <laughs> I was totally jankling. That's a technical term, that's what you call it. Guys, boner, I jankle your stick. Oh, oh my. Socks, socky, socks, socks cast episode 19.2. Welcome. I am an unlovable loser. I'm Polly. Welcome back to the socks cast. Um, this dumb thing that we're doing. We talk into microphones. You know, you know the drill by now. Um, I hope you guys really like that new theme song. It's pretty rad. I hear the person that put it together is also pretty rad huh huh yeah that's what i yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah, uh yeah (laughs) yeah way to you guys are dicks anyway uh to my immediate virtual right like harrison ford he's getting frantic like sting he's tantric like snickers he is guaranteed to satisfy it's rhett uh hi how you doing rhett good doing good are you ready for like a normal ass podcast it's been a while. It's 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 been a while. So we didn't get to talk about this uh, the last episode because it was the Dark Souls episode. But we all survived that eight-hour-long, um, ridiculous marathon of a podcast we did. How Ooh. you feel? How you feeling after that? That was something. We were like, oh, we're gonna have to take a week off for the Dark Souls one after that. Did you uh, like? At what point? Like, um, when we, when we were in the midst of it, did you kind of like look at what we were doing and how far we had gone and how long we had been going and think to yourself, Oh my God. Yeah, pretty much. But, 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 but like, at what point did you, did that happen? I don't even remember, honestly. I, th- I think when we took our first break, it was about two or two and a half hours in and I got back and I looked at the guest list and like, <laughs> then we had to make an immediate executive decision that, um, all right, we're cutting this down to, like, 20 and 15 minutes per yeah. person, because there's no damn way, like, because a few of those first few callers got lucky and got, like, 30 minutes or so, and it was just like, oh, my God, no way. This can't, it, we can't, yeah. we, we can't maintain a, 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 an at least somewhat considerable sane uh, level of time of people being here and for us not passing out without cutting it down a bit. Yeah, not being able to see the list helped, I think. Yeah, like, you, you just didn't know, and you were able to kind of just float on and not worry yeah. too much about it. But I was sitting there, like, after every break, looking at the list, like, oh, my God. Because when we took the second break, it was like, <laughs> all right, 20 isn't working. 15 it is. Yeah, I think it was the second <laughs> break that was really like, okay, this is enough. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got to... This is redonkulous. Yeah, it was, but it was really still... Also amazing. It was an amazingly fun and crazy cool thing that we got to do and involve the community with. And, you know, like I said during the podcast, I'm glad everybody came out. It was awesome. You guys were super rad and all of that fun stuff. But uh, all of that pointless bantering to the side, to my immediate virtual left, can he get into more Sailor Moon? Because that cartoon has got the boom anime babes that make him think the wrong thing. 
It's John Thayer. Hi. How you doing, John? I'm doing really well. Are you ready for a normal-ass, normal podcast? Yeah, it's been like a month, month and a half or something. So basically everything after I finished Dark Souls, um, because Dark Souls was like a month or three weeks of just nothing but Dark Souls. And then I just did a whole bunch of smaller media. And so I've just got a big list here. And I'm really excited to chat about every single one of them in depth. I am sure the audience is totally ready for you to ramble on for, I don't know, what, three or four hours? You could probably fill about three or four hours, right? Mm -hmm. No, I mean, we talked about Dark Souls for five hours. That was one. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Feel like we can keep going in depth like that from there. So you want to try and hit an hour for each topic then? Well, I just said like five hours for the first one, and then we do like five. I think we need at least five hours to go into the ramifications of Metroid and that how that series kind of spirals out. So, all right, so um, like episode nineteen point three, nineteen point four, nineteen point five. I think we can just keep keep it going. You know, nineteen point six. Kind of this, fit in. Just, this can just be like the episode that never ends. <laughs> it's twenty seventeen, and we're just episode nineteen point thirty three. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there at some point, but I think that, um, like, in order for us to finally start digging into that list and get this never-ending episode off the ground, uh, we should talk to our good friend Mike and see what he's been up to. Uh, I've been busy. I'm moving. Yeah. Stay. Dark Souls so, Two. I've been really busy. I finished. I finished Dark Souls Two recently because I knew that we were going to do this and I needed to push through it. Yeah. And then. Um, I'm playing the shit out of Fire Emblem on my 3DS. Oh, Awakening? Yeah. Oh, cool. But other than that, I mean, I haven't even been on Dota in like probably three weeks. So it's it's been... Are you getting, are you getting withdrawals? <laughs> been kind of dry. Well, they when they patched Dota a few weeks ago, they added, you know, Valve added a bunch of items and they changed a bunch of crap. And I was just, I looked at the patch notes and I was like, you know what? I'm just not gonna play this anymore oh <laughs> wow like when it, learn these things oh did it just like make things more convoluted or i don't i mean like every single thing in dota is so important yeah that every little change matters and to add eight items at once and change all this other, i mean like if you know i'm sure a normal person would have been like cool and just jumped in and played it but i, I read through the list and i was like you know i'm busy enough without learning a new game right now so i'm just gonna take a break that's good that's good people should play fewer mobas mobas are on the rise but there are other game types out there yeah yeah i think i I have i have a friend that only plays awesome knots these days Uh uh-huh and it's like like he's got like i think 700 800 hours and it's just like how do you only play one game for that long i think i have 1200 in dota you're insane. Which is, that's not even, a, I mean, like, the people I play with have way, way more. Wow. So, I, one of my friends has got four or 5,000 hours. Wow. It's, it's like, I think the only thing I ever got close to that was um, the original Fantasy Star Online on uh, Dreamcast. And that was like, I know I definitely had a, a, over 1,000 hours in that. Yeah, well, with, with online games, you know, everybody's World of Warcraft time is pretty crazy. Not mine. <laughs> Not you, mine. You've never played it. I've played World of Warcraft. Oh, okay. 
Gonna say, like, who I wanted to play. I wanted to. I. I, I still want to play Final Fantasy fourteen. It's really good. Yeah, I know. I've watched you stream it, and it's just like this super game, good. It's like this game kind of looks like it got everything right in a way that I would want it to be in an MMO. It doesn't seem so grindy and hassly. Oh, they're they're crushing it. It's it's so good. It's but, definitely if you're gonna pay a sub, it's probably the best the best game you could play right now. And like what a crazy turnaround that game had. Yeah. You know, it came out to be this total shit show and like basically like the entire team lost their shit and lost their jobs, I guess. <laughs> and then it's just like a year and a half later they've got this entirely new game that people just love to death. It's pretty ballsy to pull it off the market. You know, they launched it and it was a pile of shit and they were like, "Well, never mind." And they just pulled it off the market. And yeah, then spent a year rebuilding it. Yeah, like when games like that come out and they shit the bed, it's usually just like, well, I guess we'll go free to play for a while and see how long that lasts and then shut it down to, you know, to get as much money out of it. But they just like completely rededicated to the project. Yeah, and they it's really good. And it's um, it's rising. It's getting more popular. There's an expansion coming. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's come a really long way. And every what they've done that's probably most impressive is that Every content update is huge. Yeah. I'm, so every single time they update the game, they're like, here's a whole bunch of new crap you can do. And you're like, well, wow, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's crazy, like, the commitment they have to that game. And it just, like, like you know, I could see, I, like, if it had a bigger name, I guess, or a wider reach, I could see it being the next WoW. But, uh, I mean, it's on the rise. Yeah. And WoW's on the decline. But WoW is WoW. Yeah, WoW is yeah, going to be... <laughs> the mammoth that it is like it's just like there's not going to be another minecraft there's not going to be another warcraft yeah wow dropped they're down three million they lost like what is it something like to the equivalent of what uh draenor brought in yeah yeah they pretty much lost all that already wow so but it's wow it's always yeah always go up and down yeah it's it's comfort food for a lot of people Uh, i know people that you know still go back to it Having, you know, just like, you know, even even beyond just the expansion, be like, oh, I haven't played in like six or seven months. Let's just go back and kill some shit. Um, yeah. I saw the headline like, oh, World of Warcraft just lost three million subscribers and it looks really bad. But it's like, oh, but they gained three million when the expansion came out. So they're just kind of where they were. Yeah, they they're lost down to seven million. Yeah, it's, it's when, still a pretty damn significant portion of the world playing their game. Yeah. Right. The closest sub game behind them. Is that like maybe one or two million? And that's um, lineage. I want to say. Yeah, it's it's Still? lineage. I think it's lineage two. Yeah, Still? which is oh the God. number two <laughs> sub game. Lineage like two is teen years or something like that. Lineage two is crazy popular. But even then, like World of Warcraft was like magnitudes more popular than anything else. Yeah, that, I mean, that they shit, were at ten like, million recently. It was like lightning in a bottle. Like yeah. they. They caught that game somehow. Like, I don't know what it was they did that made that game into the behemoth that it is, but... Wow. Wow? Mm-hmm. I think... I don't know. They hit it. It was... They took everything that worked about EverQuest, and they made it work better. And then they introduced a lot of things that we now consider kind of standard. Mm-hmm. But they also hit... Right at the, they also have a Blizzard has a massive um, IP bonus where everybody's already familiar with the IP and yeah, everyone's gonna buy a Blizzard game, so everyone's gonna gonna check it out. And then they also hit 
I think right in the perfect moment where everyone's starting to shift to more stable internet connect. It's like the game came out in 2004 and that's right about the time where everybody suddenly had cable internet. Yeah. DSL. Yeah. And not me it's just, when they came out though. It was like that perfect moment where the game, the world was ready for a huge online game mm-hmm. and Blizzard was there with a huge online game and it just all piggybacks on top of itself. And, and I think that, like you can look at World of Warcraft and like the games that were out at the time, and it's just like it's a million times easier to understand. It's not convoluted. Oh, yeah. It's just like this very arcade-like MMO experience. Yeah, going from Final Fantasy XI to that was like massively par- paradigm shift. Like, oh, I don't need six other people with me at all times, so a single enemy doesn't kill me. I can actually solo. Yeah, you can. You like I remember in the original version, I, I had friends that just soloed to sixty. Yeah, not a problem. That's pretty much what I did. Oh, for me though, it's it's weird looking at like a chart of the subscriptions over time because like I quit before the first expansion came out, and just seeing how like there's still more people playing it now than when I actually played it at the start. Yeah, the peak was Wrath. Right after Wrath came out, yeah. they they went up to I think t- around twelve million. Yeah. Jeez. And that was the biggest. But what's crazy when you talk about this stuff, because, you know, we focus a lot on, you know, Massively is all about online games and MMOs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And when you see numbers on these things, it's it's kind of insane because it's not like I was trying to find the game that's behind. Hi, I'm back. Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. But like I was trying to find the game that's behind. Wow. And I just found the list of the top 10 free to play games in uh-huh. the world. And a bunch of them are just like Korean games that no one in the West plays or cares about. Like Crossfire, which is, I think, a free to play first person shooting game Mm -hmm. that I guess is huge in China. It was in 2013. It was the number one revenue generating free to play game in the world. Jeez. And it's like nobody here knows. And it's the same thing with like World of Tanks. Everybody thinks World of Tanks is dumb when they look at it. And then it has like 90 million <laughs> registered players. And like, Jesus. It's like it sets concurrency records. It's just insane. Wow. Where does Eve sit in all of this? Uh, on the record? Well, actually, I don't work for CCP, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Eve, Eve was cruising around 500,000. Oh. But the last I heard, I was at PAX, uh, whenever PAX was, and I talked to some people, and the claim that I heard was that they're actually down below 250 now. Like, Ooh. that I heard that their sub base is kind of spiraling out of control. And that's why they got rid of their, the guy who was in charge of EVE left, and they got a new person to come in, and they've been making a bunch of big changes to it, but... They are on the decline. I think with the rise of Star Citizen and Elite and, you know, there was a long time where if you wanted to play a game in space, you had to play EVE. Yeah, and now, like... Now you don't. Now you can play... Like, some simpler options, some less malicious options uh, are now available. Yeah, EVE is pretty malicious. All right, Mike, who's actually still here talking to us on this Skype call. That's that's really cool. Really engaging MMO conversation there. You know, what would you I mean, what else would don't you feel ex- like I had a lot to add in, but whatever. Well, I, you don't play many MMOs, do you? Yeah. 
I mean, what but, you, you know, we needed that kind of expertise. And what what more could you expect from a guy who was an editor at Massively and helped found MassivelyOverpowered.com? So, you know, hey, the guy's doing great stuff. He knows his stuff. Uh, thanks again, Mike. Uh, cool. Um, so, I guess, uh, if we're going to get this shindig started and off on the right note, um, John. Oh, dear. Why don't, why don't you just uh, go ahead and... Beat us okay. over the head with every single thing in the world you want to talk about, and I'm going to get real comfy. Okay. Um, well, here's I, I made a list of all the media that I've been digging deep into and enjoying the last um, month and a half or whatever. Um, Anna and I watched a season of Game of Thrones, four seasons of Community. We watched the first season of Game of Thrones. We hadn't seen it before. We watched four seasons of Community, um, a season of Powerpuff Girls, I played Metroid, Metroid 2, Fjords, Barkley, Shut Up and Jam, Gaiden, um, Builder, and Cyclus, and the Arcade Shinobi game. And I read Ms. Mar- all the existing issues of Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, and Uber by Karen Gillan. Uh, I saw Ex Machina in theaters. I saw Avengers 2 in theaters. And Anne and I watched basically the entire extended Marvel Cinematic Universe movies since we were pretty pumped up after Avengers, and that got a little exhausting. And um, that's it. That's everything. Where where the fuck <laughs> do you find the time? Um, well, we had the summer, we had a week off because um, class finally let out. I and don't now think, I started class again. even with a week off, I don't see how I could conceivably fit that much shit into one week. There's also I we so I started the summer semester of school, but that's not as demanding, and I haven't got into digging for other stuff to do in the summer. So you are a media glutton. Well, that's what we're gonna do. Go outside. You clean be- the house. Your your belly is always empty, and your mouth is always full. We ate a lot of food, too. Anna made steaks yesterday, and we dipped them in a butter garlic sauce. Oh, that sounds divine. It was really good. It was rare, really good. Rare, medium rare? Oh, rare. Yeah, oh, rare, medium oh, rare. Yes. Oh. I want to come and uh, just live with you two. Yeah, it's pretty great. You two would totally be on board with me just, like, living there, right? Oh, yeah. Just, we got a couch. It's nice. I like, I can sleep on a good comfy couch. Mm-hmm. The dog uh, might, like, cuddle up. That's cool. I like cuddly animals. Like, mm. like I, I mostly gravitate toward cats, but, but mm-hmm. I, I like cuddly dogs, too. Oliver's really cute, especially when I actually clean him. And when he's not shitting everywhere. When he's not shitting everywhere. Yeah. So, actually, not much, but okay. There's one um, condition, though, Polly. What is the condition? You have to watch all the Pokemon episodes. <laughs> Um, uh, I think I'm gonna re- resend my request we didn't watch, for residency. Right. No, 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 we're not ridiculous here. We just watched the first five seasons. I'm still gonna resend my request for residency. First uh, season? First uh, season's pretty fun. Yeah, the first season is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, would, I would watch yeah. that. I would watch yeah. that with you. Um, yeah, they, it, it has this kind of cutesy, um, like, manga for kids ri- humor rhythm to it mm-hmm. that works really nicely i think i really like the first season of pokemon definitely 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 so cool. um i have a big you, old list how about we why don't, try you to tear- di- why don't you 
tear into a few of the things you want to talk about in depth. Okay. And then, like, the other stuff, you can go over at a quick glance. How about that? Let's do the quick glance stuff first, just so we can kind of get a bunch of it out of the way. All um, right. Yeah. Do, do y'all, have y'all engaged with the Game of Thrones at all? No. 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 Nope. Yeah. It looks like, it is not at all, like, my usual kind of show. It's, like, this super dense political soap opera thing. Um, Anna and I checked it out. Anna was actually the one who told us to check it out, even though she normally hates, like, violent things. Um, it's really, really, we, we went into it because we'd watched some really trashy period shows, like called Rain and some other ones that are really bad. Ooh, period shows. That sounds gross. <laughs> and it's called Rain, too. Ooh, ooh, it's raining period blood. Ooh. So Game of Thrones is basically like trashy, problematic, dumb, um, period show but actually kind of good and it it succeeds at being that really really well maybe i'm definitely i'm definitely interested in checking it out but it's Mm -hmm. one of those shows that i'll probably like wait until a final season or something and then just marathon everything up until we watch we watch the first season and then a couple episodes and then we just immediately we watched them the first season in like a day and then instantly just stopped caring like we were super into it for about 24 hours and then it just ended <laughs> wow it was kind of weird and then we didn't think about it or talk about it much after that that's that's a weird reaction to have yeah so i don't know how much i actually like game of thrones right now but whatever that was our reaction to it it's it's very it, it's like i i remember people saying you know that game of thrones show is really problematic in a lot of ways and i was like yeah, that's what I've. That's how I've been. That's certainly what the vibe it's given off has been to me. Um, the gender politics in that show are kind of fucked up. It's like, oh yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I've seen. I, I've not seen the show or read the books, but I know enough about that show to know the gender politics are fucked. Oh my god, the, our favorite character is the Dragon Queen. And her story is so fucked up and bad in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, it's it's kind of evil, actually. But it's also... She's also a dragon queen, and she, like, eats a horse heart. It's great. Yum. Oh, my God. All right, so... And then we watched Four Seasons of Community, and that show's really good. It's really funny. It's, um... The Four Seasons bad, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, television... We watched the first season of Powerpuff Girls over the last couple days, and that that show's pretty cute, and... Messed up in some ways. I really like the um, art and soundscape. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely like I guess it gets accused a lot of trying to like ape the anime aesthetic, but I think it's something. Yeah, it gets accused of that a lot, or Hmm. a lot of people make those comparisons. But I really saw it as something of kind of its own really unique thing back when it was there. Mm -hmm. Like I found out that it was um, a Hanna Barbera joint, and I was like. That makes a lot of... I had no idea about that beforehand, and that suddenly makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because there's not actually a whole lot of animation a lot of the time, they, but it's it works very, very effectively with that kind of usual Hanna-Barbera minimal um, animation, right. and it works really well, I think. And that's all the TV. Um, I got super into comics. I basically was really into superheroes because <laughs> of Avengers 2. Mm. So I read all of Ms. Marvel... Um, which is a comic book about a Pakistani Muslim teenager in Jersey City, born and raised in Jersey City, who becomes um, the new Ms. Marvel. It's a really nice comic. It's really good. 
Um, I dig that a lot. And I read Squirrel Girl first, actually, which is by the guy who wrote, writes dinosaur comics, I found out. But really? Yeah. Random. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah. But then again, when you consider, you know, just the title Squirrel Girl, I know nothing about it, but when I Specifically, consider... the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Yeah. She fights off Galactus in the fourth issue. Why wouldn't she? Yeah, she, been, she wins with the power of friendship. It's kind of my jam. That's, that's John up and down. Yep. So then I found out that... I, so I knew that I was really digging the kind of light and breezy tone of Ms. Marvel and Squirrel Girl mm-hmm. and um, the really nice cast. Um, so I decided I, I was kind of into that and wanted to look for more. So I um, got Uber by Karen Gillan, which is a story about how the Nazis prolonged World War II by inventing superheroes and it's extremely violent and gory um, and very horrible and hard to read a lot. Huh. And it's very, very good. It's a, it's a natural, you know, it's a natural leap, I think, <laughs> from those two comics to Uber. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. I like it, alternate history stuff, though. Exactly. So it's kind of like, if the, what if the Germans had gotten the atomic bomb first, basically? Yeah. Um, and it, it's also kind of engaging with how superheroes can be kind of fascist and attaching that to the most fascist regime in history. So it works really neatly. Isn't that kind of like Tiger and Bunny, uh, a Japanese Tiger. cartoon? I don't uh, know about Tiger and Bunny. No, I don't think so. Oh, I watched okay. that a while ago and I think it's more like polit- like Pepsi sponsoring a superhero. It's not really Nazis mm. at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a super dense political um, wargaming stuff. The superhero stuff has like really clear mechanics that they go into. So there's a lot of clearly defined rules. It's a little, maybe a little bit like Full Metal Alchemist, but a lot darker. I see. Uh, um, good stuff. Um, lots of great body horror too. Oh yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> if you're gonna bring uh, John, if you're gonna bring John on board, that's all you've got to do. It either has to be really cute or really, really not cute. <laughs> Um, we saw Avengers 2 in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably going to chalk that one up, actually, as kind of a subtle disappointment. Mm, I've been hearing that uh, from some people. More mm-hmm. than I thought I would, because usually, you know, when a sequel to one of these movies comes out, you know, it's just like, you, you do, like, catch a lot of the, yeah, this is really it's good, like, it's-, it's better, and then, you know, when they come off of that excitement, they kind of, like, roll back around to, eh, you know, maybe yeah. that wasn't so good. Yeah, there's the whole Marvel um, fan base of the, everything they touch is gold and is great. And then there's the whole, um, this stuff is oversaturated. I hate this aesthetic. I hate everything about this. God, why won't they shut up and stop making these movies? <laughs> so it feels like I, I, you get there's a bunch of both of that on my Twitter feed whenever <laughs> these one of these movies comes out. Um, I fucking love the Marvel movies um, as a whole at this point. Um, I think the first phase of movies, because they're divided into, like, the pre-Avengers and post-Avengers movies. Um, And I'm going to chalk up the first phase as being a richer bunch of movies. And the second one as being more like some individual successes that don't really come together into, like, a complete success. Um, Because the first Avengers is fucking amazing. Um, I love that movie. And it feels like a culminating arc to all the other movies when you watch them as a whole, but it also works on its own. So it's this really rad, cool thing. And I love Thor, and I love Captain America movie, and I love the first Iron Man. Um, 
Whereas in the second phase of movies, you have um, Captain America 2, which is great. You've got Guardians of the Galaxy, which is pretty great. Um, Thor 2, which is pretty skippable. Um, we watched that one again. and Like half of that movie is just really dreary and kind of boring. And then it kind of finds the fun in the second half. Mm. And um, Iron Man 3 is great too. Um, but then like Avengers 2... Uh, somebody put, somebody said that what they needed to do to make Avengers 2 work was to kill Iron Man at the end, which is literally what – think hearing that and then it's like, wow, yes, that is what the entire movie is building towards, except they don't. <laughs> so – and that oh. – yeah. It's like reverse spoilers. Yeah, it's reverse spoilers. They, Iron, they, Iron Man doesn't die. <laughs> Iron Man doesn't die. They should have. He should have though. Hopefully he <laughs> does in Civil War. Um, Aw. Yeah. They, no, it – He's like he's like disintegrating <laughs> in these movies. He ma- he did a really good thing in Avengers and then he's just kind of dealing with the repercussions of that good thing and it's kind of tearing him apart and then they don't actually engage with that in the climax of the movie. It's just big smashy smash rescue people. That's that's one nice thing is like every single one of these movies um, in addition to focusing on beating up bad guys, they focus on like helping civilians in the action scenes. I really like that. Yeah, um, I, de- I definitely noticed that in the first Avengers. Mm-hmm. A big that, part was evacuating people. Yeah, that's same thing with the second Avengers. It's big, big chatty bad guy with a doomsday weapon, and they need to evacuate civilians and fight off an army. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, they build build towards a more where the grand vision works better, I think. Was that eh, you realizing that these movies are all the same? They're not all the <laughs> same. Come on. The way you describe the climax, though, sounds the same. All right, Avengers 2 is the same. <laughs> and I already said Avengers 2 is pretty... Oh. <laughs> is a little bit of a, subtle, is a disappointment. Um, and then there's all the other superhero stuff and whatever there's I've the got, dc I've, I've stuff i've got my avengers one blu-ray sitting on top of my playstation 3 so yeah you don't I have just, to you don't have to dig into the whole marvel canon you can honestly just watch avengers or maybe um i probably know enough about the marvel canon as it is yeah um mm-hmm. iron man thor and um captain america are really fun yeah i've Thor's got i've got i've got the first case. of all i've got the first movie in all three of those uh <laughs> So I've got I think Iron all three of those one. are really worth watching. Actually, I have all three Iron Man movies. I've seen all of those. Oh, um, cool. And I have uh, Thor and uh, Captain America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, though, maybe watch those before you give um, Avengers the best. Thor probably doesn't work as well on its own, work as well as those two as a movie, but um, there's a really cool flavor to Thor where it's like, this pretty where they got they got Kenneth Branagh who does a bunch of Shakespeare movies mm-hmm. and they got him to direct that movie, so all the stuff with the Asgardians is directed with like this super Shakespearean flair, big grand dialogue and everything. And I've heard and, th- and I've heard that movie is generally just a, a riot. Yeah, and then they get to Earth and everyone's talking normally like the other like in the Iron Man movies and whatever, and he's still himself. And it actually, the contrast doesn't feel like a big, like a forced fish out of water comedy or anything. I think it really works in the movie's favor. And I think because the, they've contextualized it well enough in the first half. Exactly. So I think that movie works really well. Um, it, it looks like a cartoon a lot of the time, 
Um, oh, because I like that. there's so much CG. That's why I like the Speed Racer movie. Cool. Oh, that movie's so good. It looks I, amazing. I need to see that. I just so I good. like I, I like letting that movie melt my eyeballs with its color. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Speed Racer is incredible. I can't wait for the the Wachowskis are doing a Netflix TV series, mm-hmm. which sounds amazing. Yes. Ooh. Um Captain America, the first Captain America is fantastic. Captain America and the Avengers are probably my favorite Marvel movies. Um oh, so yeah, and then you can just not even engage with the stuff after that unless you still are excited after Avengers. It's did that stuff a, works on its did own. They do a, did they do a poopy uh, PG thirteen Punish, Punisher movie? No, no, they never did. Because um, I know that, they did a they did a Punisher movie back in the eighties with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know about the one with John Travolta, and then there's Punisher Warzone, which started before the Punisher movies, uh-huh. which is rated R. And is so violent. It's great. He's just like crunching skulls, killing. It's really violent. That's how I like my Punisher. Yeah. Check out Punisher Warzone. I'll have to do that. I hadn't heard of that. Oh, check it out. It has like a 23 Rotten Tomatoes score. Awesome. So it's it's great. (laughs) Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes scores, how about that 99%? Oh, my God. uh, Oh, my God. Mad Max. Yeah, I'm all about, like, wanting to go. Like, I don't go to theaters anymore, but I'm all about wanting to see that movie now. Yeah, that's nuts. It's weird because I thought the trailers for that looked horrible. Terrible. Okay, so I'm not crazy on that. No, you're not. (laughs) Because every week, like, me and my dad go to the movies and we'd see those trailers and be like, oh, we're not watching that. And then this Rotten Tomatoes score happens. It's like, ah, shit, now I got to convince my dad to go see this movie. Because yeah, holy I'm shit, try to see that with 99 him. and then feminist action movie like, oh, God, I have to see this, don't I? What's this yeah. movie that's getting MRAs all up in their <laughs> shit? It's so great. <laughs> oh, that looks great. Oh, my God. I um, I had two people, three or four people today to tell me um, they watched the Supergirl trailer mm-hmm. and tell me it looked lousy and terrible. And I'm like, what? Are, what's up with you? <laughs> The new Supergirl trailer is the first DC thing in like eight years that actually looks interesting. Because awesome. we watched the, the beginning and it's like, this reminds me of New Girl and Devil's Wear, Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> Which it's just happy and delightful and sweet looking. And like she actually is having fun as being a superhero. So completely different from every single other DC thing in existence. Yeah. The darkest, grittiest Batman ever. The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Super the Dark Knight dark, was dark, really good, dark, though. Dark. Yeah, Dark Knight was so good. I, That's I, why I said in, I, like, seven years. Yeah. But yeah, I they, do, I chasing, like they keep chasing that high Yeah. Um, when they should work for me from a different angle for once. And that's all the – that's basically all the superhero stuff is just reading a bunch of great comics and seeing some pretty great movies – and I also saw Ex Machina, which I think Reed saw, right? So, are you able to talk about this movie without spoiling it? Did you see it? I did see it, yes. Okay, yeah. I only, but, know, um, I only know about this movie because I'm hearing it, like, advertised on, like, every podcast I listen to. Huh. I think it's really fucking good. Okay. That's, that's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. I thought it was I, pretty good. Okay. Um... It, the first thing, the first thing I read about it was like people are saying this movie is evil, but it's not actually. 
and then I hadn't actually heard anybody criticizing it. Um, but yeah, it's really good. Um, I it's it don't think it was evil. Yeah, I don't. I think it was pretty. Yeah, I think it was a pretty great little nice really nice little story. Not maybe not nice. <laughs> or, um, but you know, the hero has a happy ending. <laughs> um, the hero say the hero wins the day and, and lives happily John, ever stop. after. You're such a jerk. Well, that's the that's the story. That's the that's the nice uplifting ending. Is that the hero saves the day and wins <laughs> lives happily ever after? Um, and then the bad guy and then the milk toast whoever guy get their just desserts. Um. <laughs> Maybe not just desserts in one place. <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, a, you, you can't you can't have just desserts. You've got to have vegetables and meat in there too. Or, yeah. It's not a full course. It's it's a complicated movie, and it's a lot of the dense gender politics stuff. I like complicated movies. I like it a lot, um, and <laughs> I think I think. What do you do? You think that it's a happy ending? Let's say that. <laughs> Read. More or less, yeah. More or less, yeah. I think it's a happy ending. I think a lot of people are going to get really pissed off coming out of it or have been really pissed off coming out of it. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't pissed off at all. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure, this makes sense. Yep. I, I had the ending. I had the whole basic outline of the movie. I knew it already when I went into see it, unfortunately. So funny um, thing for me, I yeah. only knew one thing about the movie, which was guy falls in love with a robot. So I thought it was kind of going to be a romance, and then it was more of a thriller. <laughs> Took me. Well, he seemed to think loop. it was a. He sure seemed yeah. to think it was a romance. <laughs> Maybe he thought he was in that movie. Yeah, um, but like the first hour was like, oh, this is kind of slow and creepy and building towards. Oh my god, it was what so, I thought it was. I was like completely uncomfortable because it was just like this. Oh god, awful things are going to happen. I know it. I already know it. And then just building and building. Lots of unsettling music cues. Mm. Oof. Oof. That's, a really, that's really good, heady science fiction. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I almost, like, when I read about it originally, I was like, this might be kind of like Gone Girl, where everyone's, like, <laughs> arguing over, this is, the, this is the feminist movie of the year. Or, like, no, this is MRA propaganda. <laughs> And then it wound up being a lot less ambiguous than Gone Girl, I think, but still maybe with some ambiguity. It's hard to talk about without. Yeah. John, are you still mad that. about Gone Girl? No. Okay. I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Just checking. Yep. And that's all the TV and all the movies and all the comics. So let's leave us in video games. And we tend to be pretty brief about those, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yeah. So I played Dark Souls and obviously that made me think about Metroid a bunch. Like constantly talking to three like this is like Metroid in this way and this way and this way and this way. Well, like you um, brought up numerous times during the podcast, it's 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 a very close analog to uh Super Metroid in a lot, in a of, lot ways. of ways. It's really like the Castlevania, the Igovania formula like made good, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Because they make the action stuff actually good. They make the spaces actually interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like taking that kind of experience and like actually marrying it to a decent Metroid formula. 
I, it's actually actually making it work. <laughs> um, so I played Metroid, and then I played Metroid Two, because those are the weirdest, least approachable, hardest to get into Metroid games. So naturally, they're two of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Like Metroid Two took me a long time to come around to, even when I played it back in the day, and I was absolutely in love with the series. Like that game, it's just there's something about it that it is just initially <clears throat> it doesn't click. Like for some reason, I noticed that with a lot of people in that mm-hmm. it doesn't click the first time or even the first few times you play it. But once you start like getting deeper and deeper into the world and seeing how things come together and um, you know just just getting all of the powers and seeing everything unfold, it it starts to become a, a better game. I think it's definitely um, probably the slowest a Metroid game gets started. Mm. I I see that. I I feel like it's it kind of maintains the same slow pace all the way through. Yeah. Where it, it just it, kind it, of, especially since the, the overall structure is so linear. Yeah. Um, that just gives it a very different, um, st- it's just structured so differently from all and the I other guess, Metroids. I guess people find, um, Metroid 2's like overall world design and map more confusing, but I don't really know why. It's so linear. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that seems like it should that's it seems like it's all the concession that needs to be made for um that game being portable and being without and still not having a map is just making it way more linear. Yeah, I mean Metroid the first Metroid game was esoteric as all fuck in certain areas because it was just like bomb a very specific block, but I'm I'm struggling to think of many areas in Metroid 2 that really required that much thinking. Yeah, they almost always if you're as long there's very little where you're just like you'll come to a suspicious dead end and like, you'll be going along, have a solid rhythm and then there'll be a dead end. And Oh, there's an invisible hole in the wall as you can easily go through. And then there's Uh, like usually one to three Metroids on the other side of that. Yeah, exactly. It's not that hard. Yeah. I I think that that's overstated. I heard somebody say, Oh, that game's such a monolith. Um, it was Austin. And, (laughs) um, just like completely inaccessible inapproachable why couldn't they make more steps to make it like something people can play and like i don't see it i mean that game is like almost better in every way than the original mm-hmm. so yeah the only thing it doesn't have is that is the original's very open structure it doesn't have and, the very open structure it doesn't have like the bits and bops of an 8-bit console but i mean mm-hmm. really it it's still like I, I hold it in higher regard than I do the original Metroid. Mm-hmm, me too. And and because of that linearity, it also has a very strong momentum, even when it's slow, because mm-hmm. you're you keep going down. You're just yeah. down, 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 deep, deep, deep into the scary planet. And that's the best advice I would give anybody. Keep going down and then mm-hmm. go real deep. Just keep going deep. <laughs> just keep going. Just keep going down and going deep. That's all the advice. That's all the life advice you need from the Sox cast. That's mm-hmm. our motto. <laughs> so I feel like it's probably the most like direct story um, of all the games because in Metroid Two the the climax of Metroid Two is intimately connected to the things that you've been doing for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Metroid One and Super Metroid the climax is is very much segmented off from that. Like you are fighting Mother Braid and saving the Metroids. There aren't really any other Metroids in the rest of the game. Um, you catch, you see the Metroids once you see the Metroid in the intro, you see the Metroid in the first level, you see the Metroid, the broken Metroid case in Ridley. 
and then that's everything that connects with that last story in the climax. And whereas, then, whereas in Metroid Two, like the breadcrumbs are constantly leading you toward your ultimate goal. Exactly. It's the there's the the climax is made up of like the um, the counter going back up <laughs> when you yes. get the when the baby Metroids are born. That's perfect. It happens as you're going by the egg too, so you get an explanation for what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you kill the Metroid Queen when there's one left, and they have that one hallway with all the spikes and the one unique scary track. And then they have that really beautiful um, trip out yeah, as they, you see the starlight. They really framed like that entire game as like just one complete smooth sequence, and not just like here's our framing for the beginning, the middle, and the end, like you would see mm-hmm. with Super Metroid or the originals. It's like Metroid Two is just a straight shot. That it like like it, I, I would compare it to like a, a mu- like those music videos that they do in one shot, mm-hmm. where it's just like one camera, one angle, and they set up everything elaborately to do it all in one take. And that's sort of how I feel about Metroid Two now. Mm-hmm. It seems like the game that has the most to speak to, most to teach me. Yeah, um, and it is the game. I and there's no wonder that I, I finished it, and I was like, man. No wonder I completely ripped that off. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it well. Yeah, it's a different. It's a very. It's a completely different mood. Yeah, for what it's worth. A completely different mood. It's a. You know, you've got your own entire new set of mechanics and. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's worth. It's a. It's a game worth riffing on. Absolutely. Um, oh, riffing on twice. I, I was thinking of the fugitive ending, but um, <laughs> that's also very true of KTP. Yeah, yeah. We've had K-A-T-B. the time we're going. We definitely, and, we, we were definitely inspired by Metroid too when we were looking. Yeah, you know, obviously the counter and collecting mm-hmm. the boys and everything. So yeah, and even the um, and the original spark for Into the Vortex was literally yeah. What, I was thinking of the Ludum Dare theme, which was you only get one. And I was like, what if you go into a boss's stomach at the end and bomb them like at the end of Metroid Two? So. <laughs> And then that was the spark that led me through the whole game. So three out of my seven games have been directly inspired by Metroid 2. <laughs> <laughs> and then one by The Adventures of Mike Man. It's okay. Uh, eight, all eight of Rhett's games out of eight are oh, direct, no. directly inspired by Konami, Capcom, Contra, and Mega Man, and, and Gradius. <laughs> That's true. Fugitive also had like, literally a yellow devil boss. Yeah. <laughs> You you meant to say Toho, Polly. Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> so Metroid Two is fucking rad, and then I, I beat that, and I was like, I should play more two um, D platformer explorer games. <laughs> only maybe do some that don't have any fighting. So I you played- really <laughs> you got nothing to say about Metroid One though. I didn't oh no, this. Metroid One's fucking amazing. Um, I'm I feel um, sorry. <laughs> It's cool. Um, Metroid 1, oh man. Uh, but one thing is that Metroid 2 um, makes it more linear than Metroid 1, but it also makes it way harder to map. Because in Metroid 1, they very are, much are just laid out on a grid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've got my original maps. Mm-hmm. But Metroid 2, not only is the scrolling all diagonal and way more in the view, way more constricted, um, but also the, the map overlaps. Mm-hmm. So you can't actually map it out neatly, even if you're doing it like tile by tile. It yeah. doesn't work, which is perfect. Yeah. Um, the original Metroid like 
begs you to map it because they intentionally have hallways that are like exactly the same looking. Yeah, exactly. But then so if that you map that game it, out, it can. Um, yeah, that game begs you to map it. Metroid Two says you don't have to map it, and also you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, it's more demanding. But if you're if you're not used to mapping, then Metroid Two is probably easier to approach. Um. I never actually mapped out Metroid 1 because I played it as a little kid. And so I was like, I'm going to just be a fucking cheater douchebag. And, um, no. <laughs> no, I, and I, and I looked up all the, like the screenshot by screenshot maps. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Because I was like, at, there was like, when I was like 10 to 12, I was like, now I can go back and beat all these games that I had as a kid that were too hard for me to figure out. So I went back and beat Link to the Past and Super Metroid and Final Fantasy 4. Um, the only, basically the only ones I did beat, I beat Chrono Trigger, Super Metroid, and Mega Man X, legit, um, on my own. Mm-hmm. And but all these games were too much, were a little too much for me. So I like just walked through like a motherfucker <laughs> on all of them. <laughs> and the peak of this was when I had Final Fantasy X, and I had my laptop open with a step by step walkthrough, oh, and wow. used it for the entire time I played that game. Wow. And it's just the most linear fucking game in the world. Yeah, like you would not like. <laughs> there's not a lot about that game other than like some secrets that you would need a walkthrough for. Exactly, and I just was like, oh, I need to, I need to follow, I need to follow the walkthrough. Is it was an interesting approach. It's like I've I've seen some people that like that've played um, Persona three and four, and they're like, yeah, I'm following this day by day guide. It's like good boring. God, that would be the most boring thing ever to to try and play through those games and like not explore and have your own little adventure, but rather doing everything in this weirdly optimized like can't really deviate from the plan or you screw everything up kind of guide that would, that, would just, that would just be so boring like you don't need to min max that game and anyway, I mean, yeah those games are hard but they're not so hard to the point that you need to min max them mm-hmm. especially persona 4 right yeah i'm working on a guide for final fantasy 13 ouch it hold up hold up and then uh this boss fight this boss has a million hit points Hold X. <laughs> yeah. Which I still feel that's disingenuous. I still think that there are a lot of fights in that I game. Know. That yeah, I, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. For the, the match, I'm just though. saying. I'm just saying for the sake of hate mail that I don't think uh, Final Fantasy 13 is as bad as the rap it has. Mm-hmm. But you never finished it. Shut up. I have it on PC now, so I'll finish. Well, you know what? Oh, I don't God. think you have. I don't think you have to finish it to for it to. It has a pretty bad rep, so. You don't have to love it that much to say it's better than what they what what they say. Right. When is Lightning Returns coming to PC? I gotta get that trilogy. Like when? Yeah, Final Fantasy thirteen two came out like a while ago. I think it was last year. Yeah, and that's Weird. the one that actually looks really cool. <laughs> it I still read. looks probably too long I, for me to I, actually I see dig into. So much division among which people think is like the best and worst of the final fantasy 13 games like some oh, it's people obviously hate. lightning lightning returns is obviously the best right i have no idea what the i haven't played is. any of them but lightning returns yeah. is obviously the best well john you're you're the one that has opinions on everything even oh, before are you, you saying that because it's the one kind of like majora's mask where you've like 31 days to do everything yes that's exactly what I, that's, what I that's literally the only reason and christine love really but, likes it and there's a lot nice. of and there's a lot of like not really uh like like there's a lot of 
missions and objectives in the game that don't really require combat at all. A lot of it's just walking around, talking to people, and putting clues together. Boom. Best best of the lot. Like I don't, I don't even think you level up in that game. Best uh, of the best of the lot. Thirteen Clearly, two is kind of like Chrono Trigger, though. That's a good uh, point. What? Thirteen, 13. two is like Chrono Trigger in what way? Yeah. Time travel. Final Fantasy Legend three has time travel, and that game's still shit. That's a lot like Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. Hey, Rhett, Neptunia two, Neptunia Rebirth two, June second. I, I own Neptunia Rebirth Rebirth one. I'll probably play that one pretty soon. There you go. You guys mm-hmm. all ignored my suggestion for Neptunia to be the SNS plays game. Yeah, because you all freaking have it. That doesn't fit. That doesn't fit the SNS plays aesthetic, though. We have to play of being like terrible old, games. Oh, they aren't terrible that games. They just kind of does. You're so. telling me Lagoon isn't a terrible game? You're well, out of I your mind. Lagoon. I didn't play Lagoon because it looked really bad. Yeah, um, it's really terrible. It's like if <laughs> if East One was way shittier. Wow. Huh. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play Lagoon one because it looked bad, but I. <laughs> did play hot what we what do we play we played Hydlide and saga one those are all fucking rad i'm gonna recommend defenders of the oasis next um did anyone the, actually play Hydlide? sorry yeah jetstorm played it and i think it was just jetstorm jetstorm and me <laughs> um but it began the it began the series and then we skipped lagoon um fresno did a half-hearted stab at final fantasy adventure but that didn't fit the aesthetic because it's Oh, because it's good. Okay, you're right. Yep, got it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Final Fantasy Adventure is fucking fantastic. Like, you can't really... There's n- there's not really, like, an acquired taste there. It's just really good. Acquired um, taste. <laughs> is that the nice way we're going to have to say it now? Acquired taste? Yeah. Saga 1 is an acquired taste, and it's really good. If you like tasting shit. I'm implying that the game's bad. <laughs> oh, I really like Saga One. Um, so yeah, I don't recommend Defenders of the Oasis, which by all me by the one critic I know who talks about it because no one else in the world have you heard of it? Nope. You said it's it was a like game, a, yeah, Game Gear. It's a Game Gear Sega RPG with some of the cast that worked, some of the people that worked on Fantasy Star, mm. and it's apparently just fantastic. <laughs> so, according to one guy. Um, but I trust that one guy really a lot, so I'm excited. Um, so I'm going to work on Defenders of the. O- I'm going to recommend Defenders of the Oasis for the SNS plays. Um, so Metroid. <laughs> yeah, it's, Metroid One's really good. Um, it's yeah. I I don't think it. I don't think it's aged that. I don't think it's aged badly. I think it's a really rad, cool game that everyone, everyone who's interested in making games and talking in-depth about games should play Metroid 1, Metroid 2, and Metroid 3, and Super Metroid, rather. (laughs) I really wish Metroid didn't start you with 30 health when you died. Yeah. That is so bad. That is a real kick in the balls, because... Yeah, it does suck. A lot of the later areas, a lot of enemies can do 30 damage straight up. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, you know what's cool? Mm. I didn't die while playing Metroid 1. Well, yeah, I can do that now. (laughs) I felt pretty rad. You know what is really cool? You know how much health I had left after beating Mother Brain? Six. Damn. No energy tanks. That's cutting it close. That cut it really close. I felt, oh shit, I'm going to have to go back up there. I'm going to have to farm for energy. It's going to be another hour before I can beat this game. (laughs) And then I beat it. And then I um, watched the ending and it's lovely. 
So yeah, cool. that game's really cool. Yeah, because when I was playing the original Zelda, when you die in that, you restart with three hearts, which sucks. What is up that, with that? But the thing is, in Zelda, there are fairy fountains that'll restore your health, or you could buy potions to restore your health. Like, there are ways around it that make sense, and Metroid is just, no, fuck you. No, you've got to farm it up again. Yeah, it's or such... you or you're very strategic about energy tanks. Like, I saved the one in Brinstar that you have to leap up and use the ice beam for mm-hmm. um, in case uh... I died. Um, because there there are eight energy tanks in the game, and you yeah. only can use six. Yeah. So if you're playing it, if you're playing it careful, then you can uh, do really well with just the energy tanks. Interesting. Yeah. So that gives you that's if you know your way around, then that gives you two shots. Um, and the one in Brainstar is really nice because the one in um, right by near where your entrance in the ceiling that's also in Super Metroid, which is really cool. Yeah, that's a really cool uh, sort of throwback they did there. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like Metroid One, Metroid Two, and Metroid Three form a really just perfect trilogy because um, they just there's a lot of like cool advancement uh, mm-hmm. when you go from game to game because mm-hmm. they keep getting better, but they also each have like something about them that none of the others do as well. Like yeah. Metroid One has that really really open structure. Um, Metroid Two has the really tense. Um, momentum and drama of just moving continuously down. It's just the tightest story. And Super Metroid, ah, whatever. There's not really a lot about that <laughs> one that's special, right? Get no. the fuck off my podcast. <laughs> I, said I, Metroid, qu- I said Metroid 2 is my favorite for a long time because I wanted to be cool, but Super Metroid is really good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It yeah. is the best game of all time. I have decreed it so. Mm-hmm. It, I played Dark Souls. Playing Dark Souls made me love Super Metroid more. Because I was like, this is like Super Metroid, this is like Super Metroid. Oh, wow. Yeah, that game is the best Metroid game and the best, coolest thing ever. <laughs> Dark Souls, it's like the greatest Super Metroid game ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have a, um, I have yeah. a silly, silly question for Polly. What's up? Do you need the Ice Beam to beat Metroid? I don't think so. Because I think you can just run away from the Yeah, you can run away from the Metroids. I don't think you need the Ice Beam, no. But you're kind of dumb if you don't. I I know that, but I was just trying to figure out if it was actually required, and then all the speed runs just, like, use the Ice Beam but only to glitch into Torian early. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's required at all. That's good. That's really funny. That's really nice, because you can get the Wave Beam, and that's great. Yeah. And then the place to re-get your Ice Beam is kind of out of the way and if yeah you've got that's the wave a, that beam, is on purpose yeah so if you get the wave beam and then get to torian and have no fucking idea what to do then your only choice for getting is to either finagle past the metroids or find this ice beam in this one tiny corner of brinstar yeah <laughs> um <laughs> fuck you i guess i like the freezing sound effect though yeah it's good <laughs> Don't like, don't like that the enemies um, unfreeze when you shoot them again. Yeah, that's so it just weird. takes twice as long to kill everything. Yeah, yeah. That's something Metroid Two fixed. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I um, yeah, those games are really good. And playing Metroid Two is like maybe I should go back to that really hard, scary Game Boy game <laughs> I was working on. So yeah, you've been finally, uh, you've been hammering away on that again. I see. Yeah, finally, and it feels so good because I um made some like really cool strides in the level design that mm-hmm. I hadn't done before so I'm actually like really creatively excited. Awesome. After spending like a week hammering at like a dumb 
um, small game that I didn't actually that I couldn't like because with with Frog Adventure like um, there was a point where I told Reed like I don't think I should go on I think I should just scrap this it's it's bad it's worthless mm-hmm. and then I handed it to him and he was like no dude this is this is pretty good actually <laughs> and I was like oh okay so I figured if I kept hammering away at this one idea then maybe I could do something cool but it didn't really work out. Um, so that I started up this other idea I've had for three years, and now everything is working out. It's really nice. Um, so we went from Metroid 1 and Metroid 2, and I went, I was like, all right, now let's do a bunch of 2D platformers that are super cool structures with no combat. And I played three in a row. Um, this uh, itch.io game called Fjords, um, a DOS game called Builder from 2011. And uh, a really a 2003 freeware game maker game that kind of changed the scene really dramatically called Cyclus or Cyclus or Cyclus. They're all fucking amazing. They're all really good. Um, Fjords, uh, Fjords is like, mm, I, t- I, I, it's it's super. It has this really glitch that this cool glitch aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Where you're given the ability to break the game over your knee from the beginning, and then the game, then the rest of the game, you don't gain any more powers. You just explore the ramifications of the powers you have, mm. and find little collectibles, find people. It's it's kind of like Fez, I guess, in that sense, where you're just where because you're not gaining power ups, it's more like a big puzzle box. Um, all of these games were like that. And I really dig that, where you're not getting any more power-ups, you're not fighting anything, you're just figuring out the ramifications of what your abilities are and how those impact your relationship with the world. And in that sense, I actually think Fjord's mechanics are more interesting than the world-spinning stuff in Fez. And I I liked its smaller scope, because that made it, when it ends anticlimactically, um, without answering any questions or whatever, um, in Fjord's, it feels it's more palatable than when Fez does that because there's not that big chunk of there's not that big sense of oh this is some greater world it's no you're the, the plot of Fjords is that you're delivering pizza to scientists <laughs> um, and the collectibles are pizzas and then you find the four scientists and then you win I think pizzas are the best collectible yep so Fjords if you like glitchy if you like puzzle boxes and you like um Glit, the glitch aesthetic. Um, Fjords does it as well as any game I've ever seen, along with uh, Michael Bro's Puzzle Boxes, um, the game title, and Corrupt. Mm-hmm. So check all of those out; they're fantastic. Um, Builder was by my friend Eric John, who's the one who told us to play Defenders of the Oasis, and it's his only it's his only game he has on his website. Uh, no, no, he has a bunch of older games made on this DOS platform, and then he made this one very recently. And it's also a game where you have a bunch of, you have all these abilities right off the stop and you're given the ability to break the game world over your knee and then you spend the whole game exploring the ramifications of your abilities and your relationship with the world. Hmm. And it also leans heavy into like the glitch aesthetic and it has kind of this portal aspect to it where you're solving block puzzles. It plays like Sokoban and you're given little hints that there's something outside of that. And then by the end, you're just completely off the beaten path, outside the boundaries of the game world. Nothing makes sense. Everything is I love everything shit is, like that. 
everything is subsumed by the glitch. And it's really, it's really cool. It's really special. Corrupt Fjords, all of these games, like um, Redder is a really, is a game I really love. Reed's played it too. Um, I played Redder. Yeah, Redder is really rad. I really like that game. But um, the glitch in that game is purely aesthetic. Yeah. Um, Corrupt, Builder, Fjords, all these games, they actually build the experience of the glitch into your relationship with the world in a very non-facile way. So I really respect them for that. Cool. And I played Cyclus, which is a 2D pretty platformer with nice pretty music. <laughs> How do you even spell that? I don't know. S-E-I-K-L-U-S. Huh. Yep. And you walk around the world. It's a little bit... Um, it heavily inspired Knit. Did any of you play that? Yeah, I've played Knit very briefly. Yeah, Knit is like, what if we stripped down Cyclus way more? Mm-hmm. Cyclus was already like, let's make a game with no power ups, um, and no, well, a couple power ups actually, no power ups and no enemies, and all you do is just wander this world and find collectibles. Um, and then Knit was like that, but like. Seiklus has like big dramatic music um, and Knit doesn't really have any music. It just has this kind of subdued oral aural atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, Seiklus has like 716 collectibles <laughs> strewn crap. about its world. Like they're grouped, they're grouped together. They're like coins. Honky Kong 64, eat your heart out. <laughs> yeah, so that was actually a thing. When everyone was talking about Banjo, Banjo-Kazooie, when ukulele or whatever mm-hmm. um, was in the news I was like hmm I like Seiklus but I hate these games what's up with that aren't they the same fucking thing so I went to play Seiklus and yes and also the world is still really nice and the collectibles do act- don't f- they just they're just there to get you to thoroughly poke around the edges of this world whereas in donkey kong and all those it's you do a bunch of asinine shit yeah yeah (laughs) and you collect and you find collectibles so and then it was like all right we're gonna do that but only now there are 10 (laughs) you collect those and then you win um and yeah and and cyclos has a bit slightly more defined story knit is even more minimal so basically, Knit strips out all of Cyclus's inelegances, mm-hmm. um, and in the end, is winds up being way, way more cold. Um, and I think Cyclus is a much warmer game, and it's some. And I find myself enjoying it a lot more, um, in spite of its inelegances. I feel like it kind of works with them, like kind of, kind of like Majora's Mask, where like I couldn't think of like there's a bunch of stuff I don't like in that game, but I couldn't figure out how to how you could change any of it without making the game worse. So I think Seiklus is like that, where whatever about it is excessive or inelegant, I think still works. It, its flaws are kind of just uh, a trait or a characteristic that kind of weirdly hold the thing together. Yeah, exactly. They just make it that much more endearing. And and I played a little bit of the 
um, arcade Shinobi game. That game's fucking good. Yes, it is. As is uh, hell. As is Shadow Dancer on the Genesis. Yeah, I really want to play that. Oh, one. there's a Shadow Dancer uh, for arcade as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a different game. Yeah, it's a totally different game, but it's basically like um, it's a little less ball busting than the Genesis uh, cool. game, and it's more akin to uh, the first Shinobi arcade game. Cool. Maybe I'll go straight to that one then. I really love the Shinobi arcade game. I used to go to. I used to frequent a pool hall, and um, they had uh, a Shinobi arcade machine there, and it was just always fun to drop in at two or three quarters and just roll through it. Yeah, that game's really satisfying. Um, I got to the end of it on MAME after pumping in like forty-one credits or whatever. Jesus. And um, well, I, I I just I die and then I pump in a virtual credit because mm-hmm. I don't have to restart for the beginning. Yeah. Because I'm on MAME and then I found out you can't continue in the last level. That's that's. <laughs> but but John, you oh. love permanent. John, you love permanent fail states. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll get really good at that and try to do the whole thing in one go. For now, I might just drop a save state before the last level and um, do it that way. <laughs> drop a save state before the last level, learn the last level, and then go through the whole thing front to back. It's worth it. I've done it. Yeah. Cool, because it's a fucking rad game. Yeah, it, it is, really is good. It has this really satisfying kind of aspect to it where like, it presents you with these situations that are really intimidating Mm-hmm. And then you feel like the only way to get around it is just to be like a freakishly knowledgeable and good and fast and twitchy and twitch reflexes. But then in actuality, it's, you can usually just think about it tactil- tactfully, yeah. um, ta- tactically, tactically, and find a solution and then be able to execute that solution pretty easily. Yep. It's, it's, is, a, lot, it's a lot of like miniature rescue puzzles mm-hmm. that just kind of make up a level. Mm-hmm. And it has kind of a soft checkpoint system. Yeah, where the rescuers, rescuers, the rescuees don't reappear, mm-hmm. which I dig. I, it, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot since I was thinking about the soft checkpoints in Dark Souls, where you have like you open up a shortcut to the middle of the level back to the first checkpoint, mm-hmm. and it was actually affecting a lot how I was approaching the level design and um, the game I'm working on now. So that's cool, and um, I had a. Eric John was also Eric John's also super into Shinobi, and his favorite is Revenge. <laughs> uh, that game's not very good. I'm sorry to people that really you like that game because the music's good. You don't like that game because it plays good. That's the only one with Yuzo Yuzo Kushiro as the musician, right? I think two and three. Uh, Shinobi three is freaking amazing. Uh, yeah, sh- I, I've I've actually played Shinobi three a bunch. Um, yeah, that game's great. I really like that game. I don't get why people like uh revenge of shinobi so much that game is just like i've never liked it even when it was like the big thing at the time it's like what are you people thinking this just this game doesn't feel good it's slow and kind of crappy um he recommended starting it with the cheat for infinite shuriken so that's the guy who really loves it Mm. so Maybe I'll check it out just so I can form my own thought. I definitely want to play the Genesis Shadow Dancer, and I want to go back and beat Shinobi 3. Yeah. Um, those games are really good. It seems like... So that's that's five core Shinobi games um, that people like and dislike for different reasons. And um, Shino- he didn't like Shinobi 3 because um, I, I played it, and going back and from Shinobi 3 to the arcade game, I feel like... There's definitely a sort of strategy and crunch feeling with their arcade game that's 
maybe not removed, but very different in well, Shinobi, Shinobi Three. Shinobi Three is more of like a Twitch-based action game, more along the lines of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, that's a different that's a different kind of game. So yeah. I'm I'm interested in seeing the games before that that emulate on that the original game yeah. more. And those are really rad. The naming it's so once I finally figured out the naming situation in Shinobi, which is which was hard because it's almost as complicated as Strider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still not as bad as Wonder Boy. Oh god. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was showing John this Wonder Boy chronology. It's it's something else. Yeah. Because it's also because it's also Adventure Island, yeah. which is a spin off. And Monster World? Oh, oh yeah, so Wonder Boy turned into Monster World, and then the last game is just called Monster World Four. Yep, it's it's so great. <laughs> it's fucking silly. <laughs> I do. I had nev- never noticed the thing about Strider though. Uh huh. That John pointed out where there's five Strider. There's five Strider games. Yeah. Their names are Strider, Strider, Strider Two, Strider Two, Strider. Strider. Yeah. That's <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> so funny. Oh man. That's and the then forced. there's two, <laughs> yep. There's two weirdo Game Gear Shinobi games, right? Uh, I, I played so, those yeah. as a kid and loved them, so maybe I'll go back to those. I don't remember them very clearly though. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I think the weirdest Wonder Boy one was like Wonder Boy Five colon Monster Island Monster World Three. <laughs> yeah. Good, good lord! Somebody rein that shit just... in. There needs to be yeah. a committee. <laughs> And what were you saying, Reed? There's, there's just straight up two games called Wonder Boy Three. Like, <laughs> there's gonna be I don't three think there's a four. There's there are three two, East fours, yeah, there's right? Three, oh, there's two. I think there's two East fours. There's t- there's one on the Turbo Graphics, mm-hmm. um, one on the Super Nintendo, and now one on the PS Vita. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's actually called East Four, but it's taking no. the place in the chronology. Yeah. Ugh. Video games have bad titles. Yeah. 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 So wait, Hunters was a sequel to the f- the one Flash movie, right? No. We're not- <laughs> Technically, <laughs> Technically, no. It's a new universe. Okay, it's a new universe. And, the and most if first I make Flash a sequel. Okay. It was Hunters Episode 1. Hunters Episode 1 and then Hunters Relic of the Stars, which was a reboot in a new universe but with similar yeah. characters. Okay. Yeah, if I make a sequel, I'll just call it Hunters 3. (laughs) (laughs) And and then the rest are pretty pretty easy to keep track of because there's Zalixer and then there's Super Zalixer. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. Yep. All right, I think think we can... Okay, no, there is one funny thing. Project in 3, 3. Project in 3, 2. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 2 came first. Well, yes. Project N3, Project N3-2, Project N3-3. It's just weird saying it. Yeah, it is. It yes. feels weird saying It, it looks N3-3. fine spelled out. <laughs> when you say really N3-3, you know, you don't like, like, with you, you, somebody that's not familiar with the title will not be able to visualize that properly. <laughs> Hunters 2, colon, stage 7. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> oh, and the fact that you, in your very first game ever... The Adventures of Mike Man 2. Yeah. Well, that is a sequel. <laughs> it is the That's sequel. That's true. That's fabulous. 
Well, that oh god, okay, I am guilty of this, I guess, because that's a sequel to a game called Adventures of Mike Man. But then I also made a movie called Adventures of Mike Man. <laughs> and what was the? So it was um, kind of a. It was a play on scrolling platformer. Oh, the Mike Man Dash, but okay. that never got finished. That's a spinoff. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> bullet maze, bullet phase. All right, I can yeah. call it. You kept saying bullet phase, and I was like, wasn't wasn't it bullet maze? Wasn't wasn't it bullet maze? I thought it was bullet maze. I looked, it's bullet maze. Right, Reed, you're saying it wrong. <laughs> but not once it's people know it's a separate game, it'll be pretty obvious, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're 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 drastically different. I know. Yeah. Cool. Alright, so to review, Game of Thrones, <laughs> Community, Metroid, well, Metroid 2, Fjords, Barkley, Builder, Seiklas, Ms. Marvel, Squirrel Girl, Uber, Avengers 2, the Extended Marvel Comics Universe, Ex Machina, Powerpuff Girls, and Shinobi. Yay. Cool. I never understand the reviews you do. Like we just heard all that. Yay. Yep. Uh, we're done. I'm done. I mean I guess I guess we can just end it here, right? <laughs> Sure, I'll catch you next time. Okay, uh, Brett, <laughs> Brett, do you want to take us on a trip through your oh last boy. few weeks? <laughs> so I'm going to do everyone a favor and not talk about Bloodborne. Whew. Even though, realistically, that's probably what I've played the most over the last <laughs> month or so. I was wondering how Bloodborne was going to rear its ugly head on this podcast. It's not. We're done. Oh, Lord. Thank you. So, uh... In between Bloodborne and Isaac sessions, I did play some other games, though. Okay. The, the first being Never Alone, which is the uh, indie that? platformer based on kind of a Native American girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, Perhaps I saw that on, that on the scroll back, the theory of video game scrolling. Um, the oh, yeah. The that- practice of cameras and side scrollers article. Yeah, that was, that was a great article. That yes, was was. That's actually what got me to play Shinobi. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Huh. So uh, this game went up on PlayStation Plus, and I did not like it at all. Really? Yeah. I w- remember when this came out on Steam, I was like, oh, man, that looks so good. Yeah, I, I was all that. on board. I was with you. I was all on board. I was like, that's got to be great. And then I just kind of realized playing it, I'm kind of over the indie platformer that doesn't have a gameplay gimmick. Oh. But in a weird way. This fell me. This fell flat in both regards because, like, the first half, I'm just like, "Yep, this sure is a game where you hold right and jump once in a while." Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, it actually gets really difficult. Oh, <laughs> your character is so incredibly sluggish to move. Oh no! It's like imagine Pid, but like three times slower for like turning and jumping and reacting oh that's unfortunate so yeah Mm, how would that get hard yeah it was just like i'm going to suffer through this but i'm not enjoying it but i just have to beat it to say i did (laughs) because i mean it's only like is 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 there somebody narrating the whole time i'm looking uh, at the gif and there's um just subtitles at the bottom of the honestly i don't remember there might be i think there is actually okay might be it might not even be in english though i think it's actually in their tongue native american okay that's cool um the other thing about the game is that it's kind of meant to be played co-op where you have two characters the whole time mm. and if you're playing it solo you can switch between them and most of the time it's fine like you're just if you're just running ahead the other one will follow you automatically you don't have to like micromanage the whole time 
mm-hmm. until once in a while the other one will just miss a jump and die. Oh, like <sighs> that happens, and it's like, oh, that felt pretty cheap. Oof. And I, I don't know, like it just didn't come together for me because there's mm-hmm. like there's kind of three plot threads, like there's the girl and the fox, and then there's like this cheesy villain who wants your bola for some unexplained reason and then there's the plot about like what's causing the storms to never stop and like none of these plot threads really interact with each other ah it's just like oh okay that was a thing at least it's got some art it it, it did look nice it's pretty it does good. have art it, it has art it has art <laughs> yeah so that what do you think it's what is its art rating <laughs> seven i don't know seven all right (laughs) looked okay i will give it one thing though there's one area where you the enemies are are oh god how do i say this aurora borealis oh okay those drop from the sky and attack you that's kind of neat that's kind of neat so that's maybe the one moment i liked i thought oh that's that's clever that's different Mm -hmm. We all uh, we played Thomas was alone, right? Do we need another? Do we need anything else? We can just keep playing that game forever, right? Oh, jeez. I need to we play played, that, actually. Okay. Anna played... We, when it was announced, it was funny because it looked like Sip, the... Um, oh, yeah. Stylized <laughs> indie platformer. Stylized indie platformer. So then Anna played it with me, and she declared... She said it was one of her favorite games ever, and she's played it, like, five times through since. So I've got, like, 20 hours... So logged in to Thomas was alone on my Steam account. I played it too. I think it's really cute. I thought that game would have been better if it ended like half an hour earlier. Mm. Probably, yeah. I think the last act with like the new characters didn't really do anything for me, but that game's yeah. fine. Yeah, by, by the time it gets there, yeah, the momentum's definitely run out. Um, but I, I really love those squares. <laughs> really that game. Love- is amazing the way it gets you to empathize with literally colored blocks. Yes. <laughs> like And and it's like looks look, for the for a game about colored blocks, mm-hmm. it looks really nice, I think. I think they do a lot of cute tricks with the animation and the lighting to actually make it look aesthetically pleasing. And and Mark Bithel's just a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember I remember the the a giant bomber, Patrick Clepic interview with him or something mm-hmm. where it was a little disappointing because it basically it was like I, I basically did all that by accident <laughs> i was trying to make Weird. a really good mario platformer with a dumb soap opera story in the background and i was like oh <laughs> but i really like that it's huh. like okay so we'll we'll see what volume brings i guess is that his next game? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a Metal Gear Solidy stealth game, oh. huh. mechanics <laughs> mechanically, like which sounds really neat because that's cool. S- Snake was alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played Broken Age. Oh, oh how was that? It? The, the Tim Schafer Magnum Opus that took three point three million dollars and three point three years to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, it took, it took more money than that, actually. Yeah, yeah. It, it needed to go back for early access money. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Like, I was looking at the dates. I'm like, oh, this actually took 3.3 years to t- come out as well. That's funny. Because yeah. it was like February 2012 for the Kickstarter. Yeah. 
But uh, Act 2, it, it finally happened. I'm not hearing great things about it. <laughs> no, you're not. No. Because it's just kind of there. Yeah. It's just like, yep, that was more of the game. So uh, it's kind of difficult to talk about this without spoiling it whatsoever. So if you don't want to know, ignore like the next 10 seconds. The big thing at the end of Act 1 is that the two characters switch places. So the girl ends up on the spaceship and the boy ends up on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then the story kind of stops there. Yeah, like, because aren't you just like doing the same things as different, like as the like the different characters in the new environments? Kind of, yeah. Where it's like the boy's entire plot in this is I got to get back to the spaceship, and then yeah. the girl is entirely I got to get off the spaceship. So, like from narrative point, it just nothing happens until the very end when it basically goes, "Okay, it's over, bye." <laughs> And that's the end of the whole Broken Age saga, right? Yeah, this is it, it is over. <sighs> it definitely feels like there could have been a third act, and it kind of teases it, and it doesn't happen. I mean, there is an ending sequence, mm-hmm. but it's not, not, kind of confined and not like a whole new area. Broken Age 2, coming to Kickstarter. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they'd, oh. the they'd have the balls to do it. You know they would. Oh, man. But, uh... In spite of the story kind of not going anywhere and not resolving in a mm-hmm. satisfactory manner, I'm the one person apparently who actually liked the harder puzzles in this one. Yeah, like that, that's another one of the big complaints I've heard is people complaining that the puzzles were too hard, but they were the same people that complained that the puzzles were too easy in yeah. uh, the first part. I'll definitely go with them saying the puzzles in the first half were too easy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I actually enjoyed my time playing the second act. A lot of it like, it's not very traditional adventure game stuff of, like, use the thing on the thing, and then the thing happens. And then combine like, this thing to make this thing. Yeah, there's a few combinations, but a lot of it ends up being, like, much more outside-of-the-box thinking than you're, you're used to in an adventure game. Like, there's actually, like, timing puzzles and stuff. Oh, wow. It's kind of... It's it's interesting. So when you, feel, when you figure out a solution, it does feel pretty good. There is... There is one puzzle that is such total bullshit, though. It's uh, the knot uh, puzzle, yep. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I've heard a yeah. lot of shit talk about the knot puzzle. What's the knot it puzzle? Just, you ha- So a character is trying to untie a knot, and they show you what it looks like, and then you have to pick from these descriptions at the bottom of like verbalizing what the knot looked like. So they'll be like, it looks like a dragonfly smothering a scorpion what the and like how do you visualize that well like they show you a picture of the knot and then you have to pick the thing that looks most says it you know words it out the best but like it's randomized oh no (laughs) so if you get it wrong you have to start over and you have to get it like right four times in a row oh my god so it's really (laughs) infuriating Ooh, there'll that's, be ones like it looks like a bundle of sticks or yeah. it looks like you what or, yeah it's it's weird <laughs> that's really weird yeah it looks it looks like tim schafer's ego <laughs> <laughs> so the knot puzzle drove me nuts but for the most part it was a fine time like i'm not sure what i ever expected out of that game honestly 
So it was fine, I guess. The documentary is amazing, though. Like, it's on YouTube now. Like, everyone should watch it if you're interested in game development. If you gotcha. want to watch, if you want to watch a team going balls crazy because the person that runs their company is a <laughs> yeah. goddamn madman. So, yeah, the last episode in particular was hard to watch because it was basically them crunching. Yeah. Oh, That's that does sound hard to watch. What, what were you gonna say, John? So read back of the box. box. Broken Age, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> dot, 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 it's fine, I guess, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Print it. That sucks. cast approved quote right there. Yeah. Get that on Steam. So, uh, I p- tend to play a lot of PlayStation Plus games, but uh, this April was a slow month because I'd played some of the stuff already and then Never Alone was like three hours long. Mm-hmm. So I went back into the old steam backlog and <laughs> i forgot i had a steam backlog like because i've been playing playstation <laughs> games so much and then so you look, wh- at, look at that backlog and go oh no pretty much because for a while like when i got a new game on steam like through b- bundles or whatever mm-hmm. i would just let it sit at the bottom in like the games folder mm-hmm. and then i forgot oh there's a folder here called q what's in there uh, and, and I see like a hundred things. I go, oh, like I literally forgot that that was there. The cue is for quality. Kind of had like <gasps> a panic attack. Like, oh fuck, uh-huh. yeah, there's, there's some stuff in there. So I picked one out towards the top. Blood of the Werewolf. Oh boy, so I played that. I thought I thought you liked this. I like it to a point. But yep. I think that <laughs> the platforming becomes stupid and ridiculously difficult. So do you remember how far you got in? Oh, uh, Lord. I don't remember exactly. I just remember I had to fall down a shaft that was like eight screens long. Oh. And all of the fucking sides and anything like jutting yeah. in was like covered with spikes. And it was just like, I just quit. Like, fuck this. Yeah, I actually came really, really close to cl- closing it there as well. I actually did close it, and then I looked on the forums like, is there – am I missing something? What you actually have to do there is like jump so that you fall as they're opening. Uh-huh. And then it will give you like an extra second to actually make it to the bottom with your momentum. Oh, my god. If you actually like stand on the opening, it's basically impossible because you just won't have the momentum going down. Yeah, that part, the, the wolf, that part – the wolf combat's pretty barfy too. Yeah, the wolf stuff feels like crap. The attacks feel like crap, and the double jump feels. I crap. like I like the way that game felt up until that one point. Though. Yeah, like when I got to that area, it was just like, what the? F- There's no way for me to do this, and I sat there for like 30 minutes banging my head oh, against uh-huh. it. And you know, it's, I might go back and revisit it again though, because you know, like okay, yeah. we'll jump to get momentum. I could probably see myself getting past that now. Yeah. So this game is weird though, because it feels like an HD remake of like a mid-tier NES game. Yeah, it really does. Because it's just it's so goofy with the level design. Yeah, <laughs> where there there will be like hallways upon hallways of like ground pounders or like mechanical things, and like it has completely disregard for like geometry and level design that feels realistic in any, in any way whatsoever. Yeah, it's just straight up video game levels. Yeah. Which is weird because 
it contrasts with the art and then the cutscenes yeah. especially where yeah. the cutscenes take it super seriously. Yeah. And then you'll get to a boss fight and it's just like this super NESE pattern based thing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't finish it. I got to like pretty close to the end. Actually, I think there's like five kind of sets of levels. Like it goes level, level, boss yeah. five times. I got to the fifth one, but it gets really, really hard. Yeah, I just yeah, I gave up on that fucking falling hall. Yeah, it's just that, like no. Thanks. No, I don't. I don't blame you. I was just very close to being like, yep, fuck this, and then I took another shot. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad once I knew to jump. But uh, do you think the rest of the game is worth experiencing after that point? If I thought that the eh. stuff preceded, if I thought the stuff that preceded it was fun enough, it's okay. It, like I said, it's it's really kind of middle of the road, and mm. I don't feel the need to finish it now. The other, skip the other thing I did was Back that... Back of the box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really need to start getting people to, like, Photoshop us some, some like, great back-of-the-box quotes for some of the games we talk about. It'd be yeah, a great little Sonic. gallery to have. Sonic Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I really drove me nuts in this game was the controls mm. with, like, the right stick to aim. Just oh, made, made no yeah. sense to me. So I actually went into the 360 controller emulator... Just put left stick and right stick on the same oh, wow. left stick, and that actually worked. That's fantastic. So just so, like it's like, hey, I'm playing Contra now. Yeah, so I just yeah. played ninety percent of the game like it was Contra, That's which fantastic. then did kind of bite my ass in the very end. Where oh, I need to do some serious aiming now. Oh. This is a little harder than it should be because mm. I. But yeah, that game is. It's okay. It's not the worst. It's not the worst two dollars I've spent. I'll say that much. Yeah, for you know, kind of bundle fodder there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then another random game drawn from the Steam queue. I played Space Channel Five Part Two. Ah, this looks so cool. Yes. Dream- I, can all- I love Dreamcasty as hell, right? Oh, well, hell yeah, it's Dreamcast. It was a Dreamcast game. It was a Dreamcast game. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, I love Space Channel 5. So, funny thing I learned about this, though, is that it never actually came out in the Dreamcast in America. Mm-mm. It only mm. got a Japanese release, and then... The came, PS2 uh, has yeah. a port. That's the one I have. Yeah. That's probably what this version is based off, because yeah. Sega is super lazy with their own ports. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, this game is friggin' incredible. It is. I, I did not expect to like it as much as I did, and goddamn, did I love it. I played it through twice on like the harder difficulty, which barely changes anything. Yeah, the, but like then the, I let. Yeah, the timing windows are a little stricter, and that's really about it. Yeah, it's weird because it acts like the inputs are going to change, mm-hmm. and then it kind of doesn't. Yeah, but it seems like a few do. And there's even weird like cutscene changes where putting changes are named to padding. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> It is a bonkers little game that, like, it's that kind of classic Sega where it makes no goddamn sense, and it's, I hate using this term to describe things, but it's Japanese as all hell. It's just, it don't give a fuck. Yeah, it don't give a fuck about how silly it is. I really like Sega, don't give a fuck. It wears that silliness with so much pride and so much confidence that you just have to love it. Yeah. Because it's like when you start the game, they're like, the villain shows up and he's like, match my moves to destroy the enemies. I'm like, oh, this is so silly. And then by the end, you're like, you're saving Michael Jackson. Yeah. You shoot robots. 
spaceships are exploding and like i don't even think about the fact that i'm actually just my character's just there dancing yeah. like it just feels like an action movie with cool music <laughs> you just get so into it you're gonna you're gonna stream that and sing it right is i don't think there's much to sing though i'd just be doing up up chew hey you should do it <laughs> i still want to see you do that oh okay all right yeah the dreamcast game stage is just four like joy Pretty much. Seems, I think Sega in general. Great. Yeah. Yeah, this, it kind of made me really sad as well because Sega. Yeah. What happened? Dream. The dream is the dream crash. <laughs> it's, oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> so much unbridled creativity and, like, willingness to experiment and be confident with those experiments. And you know, that's where, like, Space Channel 5 comes from. Yeah. yeah, it's like it seemed. It seems like they actually had like were at a creative high when it all came crashing down. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like they were on the way out and then it crashed. No, just a lot of bad business decisions. Oof! It was like bad business decisions from the Saturn era that mm-hmm. they just couldn't get away from, which is oh. even sadder. Because yeah, oh. the Dreamcast output game wise was incredible. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get back to Skies of Arcadia. That game was just – it reminded me of Mega Man Legends, how it just had that kind of joy to the characters and the dialogue and the optimism, but also as like a really good JRPG. So probably like better than Mega Man Legends. Definitely. So, and and speaking, uh, of, speaking of cool Dreamcast relics, um, mm-hmm. Grandia 2 getting a re- oh, yeah. release on the PC, huh? Yeah, that's so I nice. Am, I'm there day one. It's just like I mm-hmm. want to play that game again. I love that game to death. Oh man. oh man! I had so much fun with that. I beat that game in like in less than a less than like five days. I just was blazing through it because it was so much fun. I was bouncing between that and playing PSO. Cool, PSO. That's I'm, Dreamcast. <laughs> oh my god, what a I'm system! Sad. I'm sad now because Polly was the one to tell me to play Grandia two. Yeah, in like 2002. No, it was 2001. <laughs> it was like shortly okay, okay, after was, we met. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, fuck, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. We're such, oh, now we're seeing re-releases on Steam, yeah. which didn't exist back then. It's just, it's going to be great, though, like, replaying that game and reliving those memories, and then, like, I'll go and, like, spin up PSO2 in, in between mm-hmm. sessions just to be like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's 2001 again. Cool. Yeah. You know, you know, who's obviously a really good friend? I Polly told me to play Grounded 2. I borrowed a friend's Dreamcast and then bought it. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> yeah. So, wait, you bought the Dreamcast? No, I bought I bought I oh. borrowed the Dreamcast and bought the game. <laughs> okay. And then I got and then I bought a Dreamcast later. So It's because cool. it's because like when 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 John met me, like the very first thing he ever said to me was you are god. And everything That's I said, true. everything I said was religion. Basically, yeah. Like I actually kind of memorized I basically had your my anime list scores memorized to the point that like, <laughs> oh, she changed that one. Oh, Ooh, she changed uh, that one. Oh, Princess Tutu's at an eight now. It was pretty weird. <laughs> Are we hearing revelations about John's stalker tendencies here? Oh, wow. It wasn't stalker tendencies. <laughs> no, I was really I, into anime. He and was having into anime. Really and it's just good. like, and, and I didn't mind because I like his enthusiasm for everything is like really just like one of those like, ah. Yeah. He just, he, they're like, mm-hmm. there's no way you can be negative around John. <laughs> So Space Channel Five, so good, fun goddamn so good. game. 
I have that on I have that on Steam too, and I hadn't played it yet, and I was wondering like how the port oh. fared, but if it fared. So actually, uh oh. I I wasn't sure if I was going to get to this, but uh, so I played the first stage and mm-hmm. it was fine, and then I played the second stage and I wanted to take a screenshot, uh. so I took a screenshot and the frame rate just like went to ten or something. Uh oh. I'm like uh oh. So then like because I think I started recording by accident, but anyways. The frame, the game like does not sync at all. So if your frame rate drops, you're fucked. Oh no! So I had to restart the second stage, but then like, don't turn VSync on or something because that also fucks the game. It's, oh wow! It's kind of a messy port. Like I think you mm-hmm, have to keep bummer. VSync off and then not do anything to disrupt it. Well, still, What's V-Sync? Like, does that does that stop? Um, it keeps frame... it keeps the frame rate from going over your monitor's refresh rate. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. But since this game runs at 30 anyways, yeah. like that's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, does that stop screen tearing? Because yeah. that's been... I've noticed that on MAME. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, so I can turn this on and then that will stop, maybe stop Shinobi from tearing up? Yeah. Yeah, because it's probably cool. trying to run over 60 frames a second for you. Oh, you know, um, that's what that's been a weird thing I've been trying to figure out with the Game Maker, too, since I'm finally running at 60. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Definitely it. does. Mm, okay, cool. I think there's just a simple uh, option you can tick uh, before you're exporting your game. Because I know I like I saw tearing. No, uh, I, me- I messed around with all those options. Because um, uh, I, I think I did. Happening. I think I did something in KATB because it was tearing, and I made it stop doing that. It was. I made it stop tearing on full screen, but it still does a little bit of tearing. And then I ter- the what tearing was there went way down. When it's not in full screen, there's just this little bit of tearing at the bottom that never goes away. Hmm. Um, no matter what options I tick. So weirdness, weirdness, whatevs. The other thing I love about Space Challenge Five is that it's it's so over the top. Like, oh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, did I mention Michael Jackson is in this game? Like the actual guy. Yeah, it's actual Michael huh. Jackson. <laughs> Huh. And I had no idea, so I'm just like, wow, wow, that, wow that's ballsy of them to have an imitator. And then, like, because he talks, and it's just like, that's a good imitator. The way he, like, he feels like he phoned in his lines. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, oh, wait, that actually is Michael Jackson, which makes it way funnier that his, he kind of feels sounds, off. Yeah. Like, he says her name wrong. Yeah. Everybody else says ooh-la-la, he says you-la-la. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like... And you know they didn't correct him because it's fucking Michael Jackson. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this is so, like, a perfect parody, but not really. Yeah. But then, like, the last stage of that game, you're, like, flying through outer space, shooting the bad guy to, like, save the universe. It's so stupid and awesome. They're singing about, like, love and friendship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, hey, John would love. Okay, I'm installing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm excited. Do not have to play Space Channel Part War No, nah, it's completely <laughs> yeah. inessential. It doesn't matter. Like it would be it's, great if they had Space Channel Five Part One on Steam, but it's not essential. Mm-hmm. I guess it's weird how just adding the word "part" makes it yeah. seem like it's less like they're more connected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a weird title. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I mean, like I guess if you had two, no- two, if you had two numbers oh. together, it would sound weird too. Space Channel Five Two. Oh my God, you're right. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. I guess the reason they didn't bother with the first one is because the first one uses pre-rendered backgrounds. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it doesn't have the camera movement. Yeah, it's not that, really would, that would be 
ugly. Yeah, there's some pre-rendered stuff in in part two, mm-hmm. and it's pretty gross looking. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. like trying to play the PC port of Final Fantasy VII. It was like, yeah. ooh. They're mm. like FMVs that are ripped straight from the Dreamcast disc, which are compressed to hell. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> but there's mm. not a ton of that stuff. But yeah, it looks I, I had a bit of that, like looking back at older compressed video, um, messing around with some older Command and Conquer games recently. It's like, oh wow, that's some compression. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's compression and just resolution. Yeah. If it's like 480 or whatever. Yeah. And compressed. Yeah. Or lower, actually. <laughs> yeah, Space Channel Five is cool. It's awesome. I found out there's a Game Boy Advance port of the first game. What? <laughs> exactly. And it looks like a nightmare come to life. Oh, God. Because it's the first game, but, like, they pre they digitized everything, kind of like Donkey Kong Country. Oh, no. But, like, the frame rate is super low, and the voice quality is super low. It looks incredibly creepy. Yeah, the GBA sound hardware is kind of not good. Yeah. That game looks like something to play on like a scary night if you're (laughs) (laughs) like it looks legitimately creepy as hell (laughs) we'll have to play that on stream oh i don't know oh come on it'll be good it'll be fun everybody likes (laughs) everybody likes watching people suffer on streams that's the only reason they come to streams i think northern lion proved that yesterday (laughs) oh my god so uh on to May now because we're <laughs> capping the last month. So there wasn't much PlayStation Plus games in April, but May has brought the Unfinished Swan. And is that? Ooh, that game looks so pretty. Was that literally John typing the name of the game in to see what it is? No, that was no, me, no. that was me typing the name of the game into my oh. refer- into my reference list so oh. that when I put the episode up, <laughs> I can put this episode references. That's usually why you will hear me typing. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, Unfinished Swan looks really nice. I, it's really nice. Cool. And th- it has, like, my favorite intro to a game in a long time where they play a little cutscene at the start and then the screen goes white and there's a little dot in the middle and I just thought it was loading. Oh. For, like, two minutes or more. I'm it's, just like... You're actually in control. Yeah, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this game? Is it loading still? And I'm just like, okay, this can't be loading, but all I see is white and a little dot in the middle. Wait a minute, this game's unfinished. <laughs> so, pick up the controller, press some buttons, and, like, I think if you press X, I can hear my character jumping. Like, something is happening. I'm trying to walk around, look around, nothing, just white everywhere. Mm. And then I press the triggers, and a little black ball of goo flies out, yeah. splats on the wall, and then I can see where it landed. And then you go around throwing black goo everywhere and painting the world around you, and you can kind of you start to find your way around, and it's so neat. Did you imagine yourself as a as a a Splatoon inkling? No, (laughs) no, I didn't. I would. That would have been the first thing that came to mind. Maybe now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I had probably heard that that was how the game started before, but totally forgot. And it's really neat to get surprised by that. Mm Hmm. Because the whole first area of the game is just 100% white with no shadows, no shading, no anything, except for what you throw out. You just have to feel around the world. And if you throw too much, it'll become pitch black. Yeah, and it'll become pitch again. black and you can't, like, is there any way to remedy that? I think the way it's set up, like, 
you won't really screw yourself then because you can only throw so far. So like the vantage point will still be white off in the distance. Mm. But yeah, that game's neat. It's a first person puzzly kind of game. Like throwing paint isn't the whole game. Like there's other gimmicks that it introduces as you go, mm-hmm. like one at a time. And there's like kind of five main areas or so. Uh, not a whole lot to say about it except the ending really, really hit me hard. Mm. Because the setup at the start is that this boy had a mother who was a painter and she never finished her paintings. And then she died. I know where this is going. So the overall theme of the game is basically what happens to like your work. It's a, I don't know how to word it. It's like for people who create expressive works, Mm -hmm. what happens to them after you die? Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that would be a real, like, I I don't guess I consider myself the most creative, but. I understand what that means and how that would resonate the yeah. creative individual. I'm sure it could resonate for everybody, yeah. but for me especially, it was like, oh, this this is making me uncomfortable. What? Yeah. Because <laughs> it hit me out of nowhere. Oh. And, like, kind of thinking about how the game had secretly been building up to that with, like, the opening level where you're kind of throwing paint on stuff. It's like the world is a white canvas, and you start with just throwing paint around. Mm-hmm. You're building the world around you. And there's other simple little gimmicks like there's an architecture part and there's a gardening part like it's all about creating things from the world around you mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's a really good game oh and there was one you need a hug <laughs> i'm fine okay and it's funny because there was one thing in the last chapter that drove me nuts when it happened uh-huh. but then thinking about it afterwards was like oh that makes total sense with given the theme about kind of creators it plays the credits during the last chapter. I I get it. I yeah. Cool. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. Because they are saying this is what we yeah. made. Yeah. It's like, wow. Yeah. That game is something. And so, sorry for spoiling the ending for anybody that hasn't played it. I guess. No, it sounds like it sounds like <laughs> That's something. That's really nice. It sounds like something that like even if you know you had it spoiled, you know, yeah. to, to the degree that you spoiled, it sounds like something that uh, you know, uh, as a creator you could still play and derive yeah. a lot of meaning from and still be impacted by what yeah. it's trying to say and do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that I quite enjoyed and recommend that game. Cause the game part is fun too. Like yeah. the puzzles, like cool. it's a fun experience and it does not overstay its welcome. It's like really short, like two and a half hours. Neat. So that was just a nice one evening to beat the whole game. I've been wanting to play that basically since um playing journey. I was like, "What's yeah. what else is kind of like this? Oh, this looks nice. That yeah, flower I've been wanting to get to. I saw some people online complaining about Journey coming out in the same year and kind of stealing its thunder. Mm, I believe that. Because they were both like Sony, place, you know, the PlayStation indie classic emotional journeys yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know what's fun? Um, I found I was super interested in that game. And then I found out that an, a designer I really like for their weird 3D um, free browser games did all the levels for Unfinished Swan. Um, you remember Bubsy 3D, Bubsy Visits the James Terrell oh, Retrospectives? Oh, God. What? They did the level designs for the Unfinished Swan. You're shitting me. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Torhorse.com. Um, Room of a Thousand Snakes. I've probably linked that like 17 yeah. times. Yeah. Same person. 
they get, made a game called Pale Machine, which is like this really cool music video of a game. Um, and Brooklyn Trash King, which was one of the first Twine games I ever played. So, Oh, wow. That's really cool. It is what? really cool. When, when did Bubsy 3D come out? 2013. Um, I, a year after Unfinished Swan. I thought Unfinished Swan was also 2013. I did too, but no, um, Journey was 2012. Oh, huh. Remember, okay. Journey, Journey was um, so did Fez, Journey, Fez, Journey, Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, God, time flies. Mark of the Ninja. <laughs> yeah. Super Hexagon, Ziggurat, obviously the same level. So they made Unfinished Swan and went on to make Bubsy 3D. Yes. <laughs> they Bubsy said, 3D is, and Brooklyn Trash King and Room of a Thousand Snakes all came after Unfinished Swan. But especially Bubsy 3D. Yeah, they said, the yes. Bubsy 3D is just... What? This is the mark we want to leave on the world. <laughs> After we put together this amazingly conceptual art game, here's Bubsy 3D. An amazingly and conceptual art an game. An amazingly conceptual art game. <laughs> art! Hey, it literally says art. <laughs> it lets you know this is art. It's true. When you jump into that Applebee's. Also, <laughs> also, they made a browser game called Ambient Dark Souls, which seems to just be a bunch of recordings of them playing Dark Souls spaces. Um, That's funny. So, yeah, so it all comes back to Dark Souls, I guess. <laughs> Life is good. Uh, and finally, I finished the Enslaved DLC. Pigsy's Perfect Ten. Mm-hmm. So how long ago did I mention Enslaved on the podcast? Uh, it was around Game of the Year time. Oh, the writer, the writer for Ex Machina, I think, um, wrote the story for um, Enslaved. I'm double-checking this now, just now, but I um, <laughs> read that, and I was like, what? <laughs> Isn't that weird? I think I do remember something about Enslaved having like this famous writer on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He wrote 28 Days Later yeah. and Dread, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Enslaved. That's so weird, given mm-hmm. Enslaved's story. Yep, and Ex Machina's story and all those other... It's weird. It's cool. So, ever since I played Enslaved, I I started the DLC and then stopped because I didn't think it was very good. But I've ha- kept this on like the top of my Steam list the entire time. <laughs> and I was finally like, fuck it, I'm going to finish that thing or just give up. So this is a DLC where you play as Pigsy from the main game, mm-hmm. the very fat sniper. And I thought the DLC started really poorly because he's not a very mobile character. Right. Mm-hmm. So literally all you can do at the start is like either press A to jump up a ledge automatically or press B to like grapple hook that takes you to the position automatically. Mm-hmm. And then you shoot some stuff and it's just it's very like linear and claustrophobic, but once you get a bit in, it does introduce some abilities so it becomes like a third person shooter with a very heavy emphasis on like distraction tools which is unusual for a shooter i guess yeah yeah like like, because if enemies get next to you like the robots will still try to run up and melee you they Mm -hmm. will like one hit you basically so you have like a landmine you can put near to keep yourself safe or uh there's one to like turn enemies over to your side and then one to like stun him and one to distract him. So, and you have to be using that stuff like constantly. Like, 
So towards the end, it's just a lot of like, okay, I'm going to distract him, then I'm going to nuke this guy, and then I'm gonna turn this guy over to my side. Like, you really have to kind of create these plans. That's really awesome. Yeah. Very not what I was expecting. And it also went on longer than I thought it was going to, in a good way, actually. Because I'm just like, oh, this is the last cutscene, and then I ended up being only like two-thirds through. Man, the original game even had that happen a lot where it's just like you'd go like towards the end of a chapter and think like oh well this is it and then like yeah and then another title card would pop up like what yeah so this kind of kept going further than i thought it would Mm -hmm. the only downside and this is a pretty big one is that the whole thing like takes place in the kind of the ugly junkyard mechanical areas like it does not have the visual flair that the main game did like they do some okay stuff with it like there's one part where the camera is just pointing straight down this huge shaft and it looks impressive, I guess. Mm-hmm. And there's some funny, like you get chased by one of those like huge mechs at one point, like kind of the dog shaped ones. And they like turn it into a side scroller. Weird. It's, yeah. It's interesting. It's a f- fine DLC, I guess. That's cool. I really hated the start of it, and it took me, like, six months to play it. So. Yeah, was, like I said, like, the last time we talked about it was, like, in November or December. Yeah. So, that was that. Bloodborne. <laughs> Isaac. Isaac. Hey, speaking of Isaac, Isaac's pretty awesome. You know, like, we are like, We are gods. platinum gods. That means that we've done everything up to and excluding uh, everything having to do with the Lost. Yeah. Have you unlocked the Lost? Nope. Uh, Fuck that it's, guy. it's not that hard. Did you get off the I, island? I'll probably do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's on the island. We have to go back, Isaac. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in season four of our Isaac playing right now. Yeah. Um. But what's really cool though is that they're doing a an update uh, to the Lost. Uh, that I think it's going to happen before the expansion, uh, where they're giving him the D4 huh. and Spectral Tears, uh, which will allow him to shoot through things that he can hide behind now, which I think should definitely help ease the burden a bit. Yeah. Yeah. The, the D4 is interesting because, like, it doesn't do anything at the start. Yeah, but once you've got then, some items under your belt... Which are probably going to be useless health upgrades. Yeah. Like... It will help, definitely. Yeah, like, you could just roll yourself into, like, this ridiculously awesome run. It's like, when I get the D4 on a run, I don't care if I'm having a great run already. It's like, fuck it, because it re-rolls everything on your character into a different item. Yeah, but I think with The Lost, like, you will be very, very careful about re-rolling if you're serious about winning. Yeah, if you, like, roll into something like Brimstone and Spoonbender, it's like, I'm not touching yeah. this. I'm I'm keeping yeah. this as is. Yeah, and then you have to think about do I give up the D4 or do I keep it? Like, it will definitely add much more strategy to, the, to that character. Yeah, yeah, so, and, so and, the cool. spec- and the Spectral Tears give, like, a def- like, you know, it's like uh, Edmund said on the blog post, it's like, it it's a no-brainer because he, he doesn't even know why he didn't implement that in the, the beginning because yeah. it's a freaking ghost. Yeah. That one, yeah, that was definitely the biggest no-brainer. Like, both, every option has to have spectral, che- spectral tears. Yeah. Even though I would have been fine with just the D20. Yeah, the D20's all right. Just so you could, like, re-roll red hearts into something. Yeah. Like, that would have made sense for him. I guess spirit hearts as well, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Cool. So is that about all you've been into, Rhett? 
I could talk about Bloodborne for like five hours, maybe do a spinoff podcast. I tell you what, why don't you, uh, <laughs> you and whoever else wants to, you can start the Bloodcast and I'll host it for you. The Bloodcast? So I guess that just leaves me uh, to round it out. Um, well, first of all, Rhett, you'll be happy to know that um, I got around to uh, that. There's that game you're always talking about. Uh, it's got blood, blood, <laughs> yeah, blood rain. I finally got around to playing that. Oh woo. God, <laughs> yeah, um, woof, blood rain. Uh, a a, ge- a generous individual. Uh, from the community was kind enough to gift me uh, Blood Rain, Blood Rain 2, and Blood Rain Betrayal on Steam. I guess they were on sale um, <clears throat> two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I played the first one for about four hours, and it's 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 hot garbage. Like, it's literally a game <laughs> where you, you run around and just kind of flail at things. Ugh. And... And, and mm. hope you're having an effect. Like it's about as ineffective as like MMO combat, where it's just like there's no really sounds when you're hitting things, so you're just kind of like Ugh. waving your arms around. It's it's a bad game. It's terrible. I'm not gonna waste too much time to talk about it. I was really only mentioning it because I wanted to make that <laughs> dumb blood bl- yeah. bloodborne joke. <laughs> um, was there a Blood Rain movie? Yes, there was. How did the game this bad spawn media? I, That's crazy. I don't know. Didn't Uwe Boll direct the Blood Rain oh. movie? Oh, uh, well, that explains <laughs> it then. So I think that, that kind of explains a lot. I, 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 yeah. think, I think Blood Rain actually appeared in Playboy as well. Oh, God. Yeah, they were going hypersexual. But the weird thing is, like, I played, like, what I did in the first game, and there's, like, not really a trace of any of that sexuality anywhere. Um, I played the demo for Blood Rain 2 way back in the day. Um, when it was like a new thing, which was like I want to say 2003 or 2004, and it definitely amps up the sexuality, but it also like I remember it being you know a pretty playable game with you know some decent combat, sort of akin to maybe not as good as or even on the same level as a Devil May Cry, but at least it feels like a competent third person action game. Which you know I will probably give that a fair shot at some point, but. Woo, that first game, gotta yeah. leave, that'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. It's pretty junky. Um, Blood Rain Betrayals, kind of like that uh, way forward 2D action game, and well, it's a way forward game. So, you know, <laughs> I'll give it. I'll give it a go. I mean, it's got a, it's got a really good look to it, and like opinions on it seem pretty mixed most of the time. But uh, I'll give it a fair shake. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna be a disingenuous fucker. You know, take somebody's gift and be like, no, I'm not going to play this just based on the name alone. Come on, I'm just saying, only on this podcast would Way Forward be like a negative thing. Yeah, I think we're the only ones that. Just kind of done with them? Yeah, just kind of see them for what they are. They Like, they are great as an idea, but as, you know, as far as their execution goes, they did uh, Mighty Switch Force and Contra 4, and that's that's all about all I want from you guys. And that new Shantae game seems alright. I hope that one's good. Yeah, I, I'm hearing good things. So, I'll probably grab that at some point. But um, Steam sale! There you go. It's Steam sale fodder. It's, that's what WayForward's been uh, relegated <laughs> to. Um, but, um, I spent uh, the largest part of my, uh, of my time playing through XCOM Enemy Unknown. Woo. It's a 
fantastic little strategy game. Uh, it's basically a follow-up to the XCOM UFO Defense, XCOM Underworld Water Pants games. There's so there's, <laughs> I think there's like five of them. Um, yeah, and but it's I, really I, kind of the first. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't recommend going back and playing those games. Really, um, I remember, I remember playing them in like 2004 or so when mm-hmm. you know they weren't super old, but uh, the, like the mechanics and they just seems like way more complicated and just like esoteric and just weird and and insanely difficult. Like I think like I think your troopers can only take like one shot and they're dead great <laughs> yeah and it's permadeath um but i think john will love the hell out of XCOM because it, it is a game that is very brutal uh it is a game where Woo. all of your decisions matter because anything that can go wrong will go wrong and it'll be your fault <laughs> no matter what uh and it has a permanent fail state Woo! so if you like <laughs> if, if you lose funding from like all of the other countries so because it basically works like you know there's a level of panic across the world because you know aliens are everywhere which i guess is a good re- good enough reason uh, to panic if there's a reason to panic yeah aliens blowing shit up is a yeah, good one yeah that that might be it um so there's a level of panic around the world and you've got to like deploy satellites and perform like rescue missions and stuff in countries to sort of like bring their panic levels down and if a country's panic level like hits the red and you haven't um fixed it by the end of um your uh the current monthly cycle uh when your report comes up it'll be like you know this country dropped out of the XCOM project and when you lose i think it's like seven or eight countries the game is completely unwinnable you like they just, they just completely stop it and be like nope we failed it's done Ooh, huh i don't think i knew that it could just straight up game over you yeah you can like that you can completely and utterly fail um Mm. but um what i really like about this game is that when i say every choice matters i mean that in terms of both like your management side with the management side is like where you deploy satellites where you research new technologies where you build facilities to accommodate things like alien interrogations and autopsies and shit. You've got to balance your funds between that and then the actual strategy combat on the ground where you take your dudes in and have to deal with like rescue missions or uh, stop abductions or investigate crash to UFO sites and stuff. So you've got to like manage your resources between keeping your base afloat and trying to stay ahead of the curve in terms of technology but you've also got to be able to keep your dudes in, um, you know, decent gear, and, and and all of that. And and the game pulls no punches at all as it relates to like when you're on the battlefield and somebody gets shot and they've lost all of their health. There's like an eighty percent chance that that character's just dead forever. So yeah, like you could spend all of this time working on these units and then. Like, I-, I named all of my dudes after a bunch of people we know, and our our, our dear John Thayer was on our <laughs> un- our first unfortunate um, hmm. casualty. Uh, he got his face melted off by, uh, <laughs> uh, by a, I, can't, I-, I can't remember if it was a cyber disc or um, one of those floaters. 
Um, but yeah, he, he pretty much got one shotted right in the face and it was like, you know, sometimes when a guy goes down, it'll be like, you know, you've got three rounds to get over, use a med kit to resuscitate them. And then you can take them back and they'll just be gravely wounded for X number of days. But Mm -hmm. no, poor John, he just, he just ate it straight up in the face and Uh. was dead. But then I made Mm. Anna and she came back (laughs) and avenged you. Oh, I told her about that. This was on your second game. Yeah, this was my second game. This is a game in where... Your, in your first game, somebody else died a horrible death. Yeah, poor Rhett. Um, he ended <laughs> up getting turned into a zombie, and I don't think that that's any way to live. So I, I personally let my character go up and put him out of his misery with a pistol <laughs> to the face. Um, But yeah, this is kind of game where like you're not going to beat it the first time you play it. You might as well, you might want to just spend the first two or three hours you have with it learning the rhythm of how the game goes and then um, starting over and then starting over and hoping for the best because like everything is pretty much random like the events that you run into so like even if you do like come back to it you're not going to be a hundred percent prepared because you know like the alien invasions and the abduction missions and the crashed UFOs those all pop up at random. So, um, you're not going to have the same experience, but you're going to be better equipped to handle those, um, those types of situations, um, uh, your second time around. Um, but good Lord, that game is absolutely brutal. It was just like every time I had, every time I had to make a decision, it was literally just me in the fetal position, just rocking back and forth. (laughs) No, no, I don't want to do Um, but it makes you care for your units too. Like it makes you care for like everybody. Like even if you don't add a personal flair like I did and name your 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 squad mates after everybody, you still end up caring for those people because you know they they've got a war record. You know they've survived X number of missions. They've got X number of kills. They've been you know they've progressed to this rank of soldier. And like you know the higher they get up on the chain, like the worse it's gonna be you know if they end up biting the bullet um yeah, and the game has just this crazy intense pressure to it where like you know the the game doesn't scale to your level or anything like that. the game just has a natural a natural progression uh in terms of time like because you know you go month by month by month um and a data and a day to day kind of schedule, and the further you get into the war, the longer it goes on, the more advanced enemies become, and like they start bringing out bigger and meaner things so it, it seems like you could get to a point to where you could have taken so long you know in your effort to you know figure out what it is you have to do and where it is you have to ultimately go to put an end to it that the game could ramp up to such a difficulty that you might not be able to beat it at all. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened to my first game. And it's just, it's just an insane time pressure, crazy resource management, you know, like this crazy, like brutal combat that is just completely unrelenting. You know, like the, the AI actually does seem to employ real strategies to try and flush you out of cover, uh, to suppress you, they will, like, directly go after, you know, like, your healer or something. Like, if you've got somebody with a med pack, it's just like, well, if they're in proximity of somebody that needs healed, they're, they might be more likely to go after the person with the med kit and then let somebody else pick off the weaker target. 
Um, and just like seeing a lot of the enemy plans come together sometimes was just so devious and mean. And like when you when you take an injury on the battlefield, that character is out and wounded for like you know six to twenty one days. Um, so you've got to constantly be bringing in new recruits to train them up, so that in case like you know you're you know, your major sniper or whatever is, you know, on sick leave for three weeks, you've got to have somebody to fill that position. So it's just this crazy amount of pressure, and there's so much micromanagement you have to do, and macromanagement, that it it, it seems so overwhelming and daunting at first. That's why I didn't touch it for a long time, yeah. because it seemed like a game that would just completely bowl me over with how ridiculously complex everything seems, but once you sort of settle into that rhythm of your first playthrough and you get a feel for how, like, how a monthly cycle goes, how the combat feels, how developing your base works, you know, how, you know, handling your relations with all the countries and launching satellites and all of that shit goes, once you get into that, you know, you can start a a fresh game and have a way better understanding of how to... Uh, approach it, but you won't necessarily know exactly how to, because there's still a lot of random elements to it. So, that game is really damn good. Yes, it sure is. That's really cool. I'm really (laughs) excited. Yeah, it's like, like, as I was playing it, all I could think was, this is a John game. This is a John game. This is a John game. Yay. It's just like, and, um, there's an Iron Man mode where the game saves after every decision you make. So you didn't play on that? I didn't, but I didn't roll back my save either. So oh, it's just like, okay. I basically did because like, if I, you know, okay. if I wanted to save scum, I would have kept John from dying, but I just was like, eh, I didn't cool. bother. I didn't bother rolling back uh-huh. saves. I just never saw the point. Cool. Um, the only time I saved was the only time I made manual saves was like after a mission, and you'd get to the base screen, and I'd just be like, "Well, I'll save there and, and stop for now, and that'll be it." So yeah, I played on Iron Man my two games, and uh, I had a mission where five people died. Oh, that is the in, worst in the, feeling in the first game, and it was just like, "Oh, I I lose now because I've got to use basically all new recruits," and it had like you said progressed so many months to where it was bringing out like those giant mech things oh god against new recruits and i'm just like they all died i'm just like yeah this is unwinnable yeah yeah so you've got to like you've got to be wary of the time crunch and and try like and be very careful with your units in the battlefield like there there were a couple of missions where it was just like there's no way we can win so you can pull back to the sky ranger and just abort the mission it was like yeah you don't, don't let your pride get the best of you. Like yeah, if, if that was you... that was absolutely the mistake I made that cost everyone their lives. Where like it was one mission, it was going okay, and then my main star character, who happened to be named Ether, died. <laughs> and, and it was just like at that point, I should have just immediately pulled everyone out because I was fucked at that point. And yeah, I didn't, and everybody else ended up dying yeah, except you, one guy. ended up gravely wounded. You cannot let your pride get in the way. It's just like, yeah, you might lose, you know, a little bit of favor with a country for pulling out of their mission, but as it relates to the end game, at least you're going to, at least people are going to live to survive. Yeah, and that's what you 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 know like you need to keep 
recruits cycling in and out of the active party to make sure you've got people that you can uh, rely on to back you up because that, that game gets fucking difficult. And even if you have the best equipment, like the best equipped rookies still aren't going to cut it. Yeah, there's such a huge skill gap between like a new recruit and the top level guys. Yeah. Especially with like snipers or any of the classes really. Mm-hmm. But godly snipers at the end game. <laughs> yeah, go- snipers are awesome. <laughs> snipers are crazy good. I I was a sniper. Um and I remember like the the first big alien base mission that you go on. Um I was able to like just stand in one place and use squad yeah. sight. And I, I took out 14 targets by not moving. <laughs> yeah, snipers are kind of ridiculous. They yeah. definitely won the game for me at the end. Snipers um, and heavies. Like, I relied a lot on things like shredder rockets. Um, to li- because like when you use a shredder rocket, it's guaranteed damage, but it also like softens them up and they take more damage from other normal attacks. It was the only way I could get past the final assault. Yeah. Like that that last room. Uh, that and the last, last room is fucking fucked beyond all it comprehension. Is, it's the worst. Like I had to sacrifice. Um, I had to sacrifice poor Grimms and Taylor uh, in that room because it was like I couldn't get anybody in there, and it was just like they kept holding me at bay, and it was just like, well, I've just got to like rush in, throw out the biggest damage they possibly can. And, and, like, they ate it hard, but we were able to pull out the victory. It was just like... It, but it was such a satisfying victory, even though, you know, I didn't want to lose those units, but at the same time, it was like, there's no other way around this. Like, this... Ha- you know, it has to happen now, or it's not going to happen. I think I remember sending in my character named Fresno into that room. Oh, no. Just by himself, and he just died, like, straight up, like, boom, 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 dead. I'm like, oh, f- what the fuck? <laughs> So I'm just like huddled outside with like two snipers and my VIP character. Mm-hmm. Just have no idea what to do. Like I can't. Nobody can get close to it. Yeah. So you... I think I was able to get the snipers a viewpoint so that they could shoot into it mm-hmm. and win it. But Jesus, that was intense. It's, it's in because it... then I think my medic like got brain controlled and started coming back to shoot me. Mm-hmm. So I had to put her down as well. Yeah, it's like, if you get brain-controlled, you've got to make a very, very, very tough decision. It's like, do you go after the person that's brain-controlling them, or is the person that they are brain-controlling enough of a threat to your current party that you've got to put them down yourself? (laughs) It's so, like, it happened to me more than a few times when those, um, um, the mind-controlling little dudes, um... The greys? Yeah. When, when, when those started entering the fray, like, more than once, it was just like, oh, God. You know, I had to, like, I was having to make life-changing decisions. It was like, okay, <laughs> so-and-so just got brain-fucked. Brain Am I going to have to... Yeah. Am I going to have to put them down, or can I get enough people in here to take this fucker down? Uh, and, and luckily, in most of those instances, I was able to get in there and just take it out before it could do much damage. Um but uh, the best the best advice I will give you uh, starting out in this game is you know obviously one do your fake playthrough first get your get your bearings and two rush development of laser weapons. Wait, what? I I That's can't not... I can't stress that enough. Development huh. of beam weapons is important if you want more accuracy 
and 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 just better overall damage. Like I like my second playthrough, like I rushed beam weapons and was able to cruise for a while. Huh. You want to know what my tip for the second playthrough was? What? Rush satellites. Absolutely. That's what I did. I got everybody covered as absolutely as soon as possible. Like put everything into that and then once you do that, though, the money starts flowing in. Mm-hmm. Or, so. or or uh, try to focus. Like if you if you don't, if you don't have the funds um, to to do full coverage of the entire map, pick a continent that has yeah. because each each continent has four tiers, uh, and the number of satellites you have over that continent grants you another bonus uh, for the month. So you know if you can't do full coverage, focus on getting full coverage on at least one continent to get the extra bonuses. Yeah, because money is so tight in that game. Oh even my with... god! Yeah, I had no money most of the time. Like, but if, yeah. like every time I would get a payday, it'd be like, "All right, some breathing room." That money would be gone in twelve hours. <laughs> yeah, it was like, "All right, I need to research this. I need to buy a few more of these." Well, piss. <laughs> so yeah, XCOM. It's fantastic. So what led to you playing this out of nowhere? I don't know. <laughs> I just, like, I just got a random, like, it was a random urge. I was just like, it's there. I've had it installed yeah. for a while. Eh, let's, let's, let's give it a go and see how it feels. And, like, uh, my first night with it was the night that, you know, it was the, it was basically the dawn of my terrible playthrough where I gave up. <laughs> but it was, uh, but it, it hooked me enough and intrigued me enough. And uh, even though it seemed intimidating at first, I was like, oh, no, this is actually all really streamlined and easy to understand yeah the actual like interface and doing stuff is really well done yeah and tutorial yeah yeah because i remember looking at the original xcom ufo defenser oh god that, and no tutorial no manual just like oh this is kind of unplayable if you haven't don't know what to do yeah yeah i i played those games like i said way back in 2003 or 4 and they are just so so much more complex. Um, yeah. Are you interested in getting the DLC for this one? I want to, um, but I don't think I want to do like a replay like right now. Like, yeah. I, I definitely like. I'll definitely probably come back to it in like I don't know six months to a year or so and play it with the DLC because I've heard that like the changes they made are pretty significant and add enough to um, what the original game was that uh, it's definitely worth checking out. It seems terrifying. You start fighting humans. Yeah. And then they can sniper you. Mm-hmm. So fuck that. Ah, you gotta roll with it. You gotta roll with it. It's that, that's XCOM, baby. Yeah. Every time you miss that 99% chance to hit, <laughs> that's XCOM, baby. Reload. Yeah. No, you actually can't do that. <laughs> yeah, John, this is definitely a game for you. Yep. Getting it installed. That Space Channel Five Part Two. Um, <laughs> I just wrote, realized, remembered that I had Deadly Premonition. Oh shit! Um, I just remember that Val- Valkyria Chronicles was on sale today. I wonder if I missed that. Uh, I think today? it's for like I think for like six dollars. It might still oh, be on sale. Yes, it's still on. So yes. I, so having like gotten a craving for more um, strategic kind of games and games that have harsh consequences 
Uh, I went back and revisited a favorite of mine that I'm sure John will also like to hear about, and I think he will like this game quite a bit. Uh, uh-huh. I've, t- I've talked about it on the site a bit before. I've tried to get other people to play it, but they're pansies. Um, yeah. It's Cannon Fodder. Cannon Fodder. This is a little... Like, it was released in, I want to say, 95 or so for the Amiga uh, originally. Ooh, uh, pretty. By Sensible Software. Um, and they like they're they were really famous for stuff like Sensible Soccer and really weird things. But this is like... Um, uh, it was a really controversial game at the time that it came out because uh, it uses the image of uh, the poppy flower, which uh, is used, uh, I guess, exclusively to honor veterans and stuff. And people thought that them using it in a video game was really disrespectful. Um, but like when it, you know, like when people sat down and like looked at the game and like what it actually stands for is in this, you know, this game isn't actually glorifying war. It's showing war the absurdities and the costs that it really has. It was like, oh no, this this totally makes sense now because um, it's very much uh, similar to XCOM in the way that um, like. Your characters and their deaths have permanence. Um, like, you start out with a group of three little soldiers, Jules, Jops, and Stu, and it's just like, you get attached to them, and it's like, I want them to live, and as uh, you're going through each mission, you're just, you're going to lose, you're going to lose soldiers, and um, the game constantly reminds you of this, because after you complete a mission, or after you failed a mission, you return to uh, a big a big hilly cemetery and then like for every soldier that has died and um for every soldier that has died there will be a new tombstone on the hill uh and like the the characteristics of his tombstone will be based on what his final rank was as a soldier um and like the sort of the way they 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 play this up with satires at the top of the screen you've got like home and away like a sports game of how many soldiers you've killed and how many they've killed of yours um and, and I think it's a really, like, interesting, like, if, you know, really, really dark, um, but slightly comedic portrayal of war and, like, sort of the costs of, like, what it means to go to war and all of that. Um, but I think that, like, you know, you could, do that, like, there's a definite fail state for this game as well. You can run out of recruits um, because, like, after you, like, like, you get, I think it's, like, per mission, I think you get 10 to 15 new recruits. Um, but that starts slowing down, obviously, the further you get into the game. And once you've, like, uh, had, I think it's something like 270 or so soldiers, and you run out and you can't complete the war, the game's over. Um, uh, but it's a really, like, like, along with being, you know, just this really um, kind of dark but satirical take uh, and commentary on war. It's a it's a really interesting little um, top down sort of pseudo strategy, sort of an action game where it's like it's basically a two button game uh, where you only use the mouse and you use left click to like move around, move your little dudes around, um, and you use left click to like do things on the left hand side of the screen. Like you can divide your dudes up into little separate troops. Uh, you can, like, uh, assign ammos and stuff, like grenades and rockets. Uh, and the right button uh, attacks, so you just move your cursor around and you spray bullets in whatever uh, direction uh, your little dudes are facing. Um, and uh, to fire rockets and grenades and stuff, you just you hold the attack button and press left-click, and you'll use them that way. Um, and it's just these very simple 
very small and really contained missions that feel a lot like sort of puzzles, but they've got this action element to them where you've got to you know, move your guys out of the way or you've got to strategically think, okay, like maybe I want to just send one dude over so I'll break him off into a separate squad and give him a few grenades and let him go over and handle this by himself. And like while you're controlling um, a different squad, that other squad will stay there and defend themselves to the best of their ability. Um, but it's just, it's an absolute classic of a game. There are excellent ports of it on uh, the SNES and Genesis um, and uh, you can enable mouse control uh, in both of those. Uh, if you have, uh, um, uh, if you're using an emulator, you can uh, enable uh, the mouse port or, or the mouse import too on most uh, Genesis and SNES emulators. Uh, the DOS version, uh, they sell that on GOG. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty cheap, but I, I still, I sort of feel like the game speed isn't quite right. So, like when I played it again, I was playing through it on the uh, SNES version, which is, which uh, the only thing different about the SNES version is that, uh, like the blood spray and stuff that you see every now and then are censored, uh, but they are not on the Genesis. So, if you want a more um, true to <laughs> what the game was on the Amiga, the the, the Genesis slash Mega Drive version is probably the version to go with. But um yeah uh, hmm? Gen- Genesis always with the blood. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah, there were some early games uh in Sega's library I remember having quite a bit of blood in them. Um there was like a couple of games like at uh before the ratings board came up where I used to rent games from where like there was a sticker on a couple of games that was just like, you know, you must be 18 or older to rent this. So Was there a mouse for the Genesis? Apparently there was because you can enable uh huh. You can't like because in the emulators um, that I've messed around with, I think Fusion is probably the best if you're going to try it. Uh, it allows you to enable a mouse on port two, which um, uh, and like I said, these ga- like the, the the ports of Cannon Fodder on the SNES and Genesis are pretty much perfect. Uh, the only thing they're missing is the really great opening theme song, which is great. If you haven't if you haven't heard it, uh, just look up Cannon Fodder theme. It's fantastic. It was one of the first few games. Uh, to ever have like a uh, digitized vocal track, uh, but the cool. uh, but the uh, the SNES and Genesis versions just sort of like replace the vocal track with a uh, with an instrument instead. But I really I, I've really got a fondness for the original Amiga theme. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I think everybody should play Cannon Fodder, and I think this that looks really cool. If 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 you've played Cannon Fodder once and didn't really give it a shot, I say give it another go. It's it's just like, I really like how the missions are put together in these really small, bite-sized, easy-to-digest chunks that are just little puzzles for you to figure out, like, the best way to approach them. Uh, and, like, you really care about your little guys. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a long-standing challenge um, for a lot of people to try and keep Jules Jops and Stu alive for the entire campaign, which is just unbelievably difficult to do. I've never managed it. And and you and you shed a little tear anytime one of your guys dies and you go back to Boot Hill and you see that, you know, there's a little grave marker there for where oh. your little guy died. And it's just yeah, yeah. Like the the slogan for the game is war has never been so much fun. It's just kinda <laughs> kind of all meshes together in this really cool commentary, you know, on war and the cost of war and and just really solid, well-thought-out gameplay with great stage design and a lot of cool little fun gimmicks. Like, there are some vehicles you can play around with, too. Um, 
And yeah, it's just a great little game that you know. And I think it's so easy to pick up and play that I think more people um, should definitely give that a go. Rad. Yeah, I think that you would like that. Yeah, for sure. A lot of the permanence, and I think that you'll definitely appreciate the commentary and its presentation and the action. It just all comes together uh, really well. Uh, Cannon Fodder 2, I don't like so much. They kind of just ramped up the difficulty of missions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not quite as fun. And then then it takes some really weird turns where it's like, oh, it's an alien invasion? What? (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, it goes bonkers. It's not terrible, but I I definitely prefer the more down-to-earth... feel of the first game cool isn't yeah. isn't there a third one? Oh god <laughs> i saw that in a bundle recently i'm like i don't think this is the one you want no cannon fodder 3 was made by i want to say some bootsy ass russian team uh like sensible software was not any, oh. in any way involved <laughs> uh they just it's like somebody just ended up with the rights uh, and they created this really terrible game that does nothing to capture anything about the original game. Like I've I've looked it up, and it's just like it's got like checkpoints everywhere, and <laughs> like like mid mission saving, and like healing, and it's just like Jesus, like way to completely ruin everything. <laughs> you, like they take out all of the consequence, which Cannon Fodder is a game of consequences. When your guy dies, he dies. That's it. It, it, it's just, it doesn't seem like guys can even die in Cannon Fodder 3. From the videos <laughs> that I've seen, it just it looks so bad. Jeez. And like the art Gosh. style and everything is just so cheap and shitty looking. It's the Postal 3 of Cannon Fodders. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, other than that... Um, uh, I'm, I'm, you just, I'm, you're just talking about what sounds like two really good John games. Yeah, I think you should definitely play both of them like cool yeah like like I, hmm? I like how john game either means super sweet cheery bright colorful thing or grim d- death permanence <laughs> consequence <laughs> failure you told, with you no sent me a sky message linking me to a video of ho ho come and we're like um and you're like um this looks like such a john game and i was like huh that does have a varied meaning, huh? But, um, let's see. And, and I'm still kind of like in a weird strategy place right now. Um, I ended up catching a really great sale on uh, a package of every single Command and Conquer game for s- <laughs> that's 17 games for 10 bucks. Oh my god. And I'm just, I'm in heaven. Like, I, I started cool. playing, I've, I've been playing uh, the first Command and Conquer. Uh, a little bit on and off. Uh, I mostly bought it because I haven't played Command and Conquer three. Um, I stopped playing RTSs shortly after I burned out of StarCraft. Um, it was years ago. Like after I like like I played so much StarCraft, I just kind of sickened myself out on the genre, uh-huh. and. Um, so I missed, like, Cannon Fodder 3, or not Cannon Fodder 3, but uh, Command & Conquer 3 and Red Alert 3. Uh, and, like, those two, those were the two main games that I were looking, I was looking for at the time, but I was like, wait a minute, this bundle's got everything, and these games actually, you know, this fucking 1995 PC game still runs? And uh, yes. amazingly, yeah, it does. So I've just been sort of, like, reliving some 
old-timey memories playing through uh, the first Command and & Conquer, and I'll probably play through uh, Red Alert and then jump on and finally get into uh, Command & Conquer 3. I want to savor that one. I want to like just I want to make sure I've got my RTS chops back before I jump back into the game that I really bought uh, the package for. So uh, cool. I'll probably be talking about those games uh, a bit more, uh, you know, in a couple weeks or so. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever really gotten into... Um uh, Western strategy games, like at all, oh. I can't think of any of them that I've like played to completion and really gotten into it. I think it's just out of, um, just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, the Command and Conquer games are also freeware. Oh, rad! So uh, you can, I think it's like Command and Conquer, Command and Conquer Red Alert, Command and Conquer Red Alert Two, um, and uh, Command and Conquer Tiberia, Tiberian Sun. I think all four of those are freeware now. Cool. So cool. Yeah, it might be worth checking out. Rad. All right, I'll do that. Like well, old- I think I'm gonna check out um play I, I just loaded I had already loaded up the cannon fodder on Genesis. Fantastic. <laughs> I think I might play that. Fantastic. I hope he you needs, enjoy it. He needs the blood. He needs the blood, yeah. Oh yes, obviously. Remember to enable mouse in port two. Cool. I, I hope you enjoy it. It's a, it's a really fun game with a lot of fun little consequences, and you know, don't, don't try don't try and be crazy and be like every soldier has to make it. You know, you're not mm-hmm. you're not going to get very far. That's how I've always played Fire Emblem, and for some reason, I've never actually dug into any Fire Emblem game. Yeah, if, I if think you, I should just play it. Yeah, like, let things happen. Just let the yeah. cards fall where they may. There's like you know like. Just because your soldiers are at a lower rank, the only thing that changes with their rank is they get a little bit more range to their rifle. That's it. Mm, So it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, But that's really all I've been into. So I know that we don't have any news, and we know early access is still a pile of garbage. (laughs) Oh, wait. What? There was some news. Yeah, but it's all old. It's, it's been a busy month. It's been a busy month, but it's Crazy old Crazy Skyrim mods and Konami and PT exploding. But everybody knows everything about that by the time we're... What, we're, what if, in order to stay relevant, I've got news from the future? Whoa. Dude. Okay. Yeah. Dude. Dude. So, breaking news from the future. Metal Gear Solid Five is cancelled. Oh shit! You heard it here first. Exclusive. Exclusive. I'm figuring that's the, the next logical step for Konami right now. God, could Jeez. they? It's like it's like like would they? Could they at this point? With that Do they game? give a fuck? They don't seem <laughs> like it. No, they're doing everything they can right now because they can, and they give no fucks. They're in a weird place. No, they're they're exactly where they want to be, I think. You know, they're moving exactly in the direction they want to move and they really don't care about this audience they're leaving behind. <laughs> in fact, Gosh, you could say I... they have downright malice for the audience <laughs> they're leaving behind. It's incredible watching them just drive away like this. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just like they are they have loaded up the car, they are flipping the bird, they are peeling out in the driveway and <laughs> they are throwing a bag of shit on your doorstep. <laughs> It seems less like Death of a Titan and more like slow, um, Wicked Witch of the West melting of a Titan. Well, I think realistically, getting out of video games is probably the smartest business move they could make. Yeah, I, I, I like, totally agree. Fuck the big publisher industry. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> 
Capcom and Sega are kind of sticking it out, and they're just like, "No, we're we out." Yeah, in a big way. Gosh, we're taking everything with us too, including anything that <laughs> ever pointed to us being alive. Weird. I wonder. So, how long until the Kojima Kickstarter? Oh God, because that's all the rage Nobody. now. Nobody can fucking afford anything Kojima would want to put out. I bet we'd see if he if he does numbers. if he does Nettle Gear, <laughs> Talid, Talid or uh, whatever. If he I couldn't think to, of a witty version of that off the cuff. But if he if wants he does to get that, away, if he wants to get away from Metal Gear and stealth games and the way that he says he does, then 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 his Kickstarter, which we know is going to fucking happen. We'll have nothing to do with that. Yeah, if it has, if it does look like a Metal Gear, then that means he's been totally lying like an asshole all these years, uh, or he's just lying like an asshole to get funded. Yeah, that possibly that too. Hmm. What if he? <laughs> I'm thinking Chrome Cog Liquid, <laughs> but so he he funds a stealth game and then and then just makes Zone of the Enders three. There you go. <laughs> You play the game, you're like, I thought this was going to be a stealth game, but for some reason I'm flying around in a giant robot. Area of the New Beginnings. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Kickstarter <laughs> is all the rage now, apparently. Yeah, it's it's sort of making a comeback, but again, it's just like, you know, big time old developers. Yeah. I just feel like the industry has failed us. It has. It's failed us. It's failed its most creative minds. Because mm-hmm. um, for a while it was like, oh, haha, Kickstarter, Boogerman is trying to get a revival. Toe Jam and Earl kind of, uh, who cares? Yeah. But now it's like, the guys who made Banjo-Kazooie and the guys who made Castlevania, like, why are these dead franchises? That's a good question. They've gotten millions of dollars on Kickstarter now, and I, and I know games are expensive, and that's not actually enough. But jeez. Well, the thing about um, Bloodstained is it's ninety percent funded already before they hit Kickstarter. That was a, <laughs> yeah, that was super weird. That I guess they wanted five hundred k from Kickstarter, and then the other ninety percent, which would be four and a half million, would came, come from yeah, came from a publisher. But now they're. They're already at two million on Kickstarter. So, like, what does that mean? I don't know. This is a good question. Oh my god! If, if they hit, if they hit five five million, will they just tell the publisher we don't need you? <laughs> I would be on. Board I feel like with they that. can find they. I feel like they can find use for that money. Yeah, yeah and they, like if you look at all of the extras they're adding as like backer benefits and shit, that's where most of that money's going to go. Only five hundred, only five hundred thousand of that cash is going towards the development of the game because they've got the other ninety percent. So the rest okay, of that I, money is going to be used to pay for all those crazy ass backer rewards they have. Yeah. So I didn't, know, I hadn't actually watched the Bloodstained Kickstarter video, and it's pretty great how much this is just Castlevania. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's yeah. Castlevania. This is way. This is more just Castlevania than the Mighty Number no. Nine one. Just from the start. Yeah, yeah. I think. Also, I, what, did, I didn't know that that you may be familiar with my legacy as he walks into the room thing <laughs> was from this video. <laughs> yeah, this is really funny. He's been doing a ton of press, and it's all hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
like I saw some video on Destructoid where he did a live demonstration of what the game would look like. So it's just him walking yeah. sideways, <laughs> and, and then he jumps up in the air, like doing the Castlevania one walk. It's so good. And he throws the um, wine glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my god. That's yeah, the beautiful. Funny, the fun, The greatest thing about Kickstarter is it proves that like IP is meaningless in, for video games. Yeah. Where you have like off-brand Mega Man and off-brand Banjo Kazooie, now off-brand Castlevania. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just wow. Like it's it, it's the wild west out there, guys. It's nice that there are apparently more auteurs that people care about than just yeah um, Ken Levine and Hideo Kojima. Oh, I guess God. it's like they have this big monopoly on oh we're the auteurs who are have bring our visions to life in video game format i guess david cage um i think there's so a lot then, of them in japan like yuji yeah. naka miyamoto mm-hmm. uh yu suzuki mm-hmm. like there are names yeah that need oh to i bet yeah yu suzuki <laughs> could come here this is um yenmu <laughs> Yenmu 3. <laughs> there, weren't other, there were some other Yenmu ideas. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Those will be like two very quick and dirty mobile games. And then we've got Yenmu oh. 3. <laughs> and those games are just literally recaps of yeah. the Shenmue games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our hero, Ryo? Ryu? <laughs> yeah. Ryu Sabuki. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a great tweet a while ago that would makes everybody mad. Telltale presents Tales from the Shenmue. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen. It, it you could totally see that working yeah, though. That's, that's what's so great about it. That's what the Shenmue games are. Yeah. Oh, Kickstarter. Oh, Kickstarter, you silly, silly bastard. Still entertaining us all these okay. years later. Tim Schafer okay. didn't kill you dead just yet. <laughs> yeah, this is like act two of Kickstarter. Now yeah. It ages out. Yep, phase two. So Igarashi has ta- is speaking about like wanting to t- get extra money from um, players to add more stuff to the game. And as he says that, he's turning a crank that's on a torture device that's stretching a <laughs> faceless person's body. Yeah. Yeah, that video is something. It's it's this is amazing. It's something. Join else. my army of the knights, and then he disappears into a bunch of bats. <laughs> this is incredible. It's something fucking wonderful. <laughs> if you're gonna go all out and you don't have any gameplay to show, you might as well have a crazy video. Yep. Because right That's now all you're bad. paying right now all you're paying for is concept art. Oh my god. That's even That's a- better than like going up the building with um, the Mega Man guy. Oh yeah. my god. Inafune. I don't know. That thought Mega I lost Man all my one. cred there. The Mega Man one tugged at your heartstrings though. Yeah, yeah. Where he's like... He's just literally... He felt like a broken man. Please let me do this for you with us. He like specifically kind of... I guess not specifically, but like references... Legends 3 getting made and then cancelled. Yeah. And then just the look in his eyes is like, fuck. Oh, oh, oh. I I really don't like Kickstarters kind of showing concept art, though. Yeah, it's just, that's really yeah. what bothers me about the whole Bloodstained thing and why I'm not 
paying into it because yeah. let's say you've got to show me something other than concept art. Well, I'm sure will, I'm sure the end result will look completely different from the will, seven there, other Igavanias. Well, the thing is that the concept art is 2D, and they're like already saying this is going to be a like a 2.5D game done in 3D. Oh, yeah, so it's not going to look like the concept art because yeah, so that would cost it's, it's, way too much. So, like, selling yeah. the game based on that concept art is really disingenuous. Yeah, that basically happened with Mighty Number no. Nine too, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. And then the and then we see the actual game, and it's like oh. And it's like <laughs> oh. this doesn't look very good at all. Oh. <laughs> I did. I I want to be wrong, but that game does not look so good. Yeah, mm. I'm definitely kind of done backing Kickstarters for now. Yeah. Because after Broken Age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was the, the, the but there was the other um there was the other Inafune game, um, what was it called again? The one for the 3DS that was pretty good. Oh, Gunvolt. Yeah, that was cool. Cool. Was right? that I him? Or I don't that. think that was him. I think that was just Empty Crates. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Let me take a look. I think you're thinking it's Inafune because like of the little special game that they released for free with it is basically fucking Mega Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, that game looks better than to me than Mighty Number no. Nine and it, Gunvolt. I don't think it looks better than Gunvolt. In fact, I think Gunvolt looks amazing. Um, I haven't played it yet. I want to because it's basically like Elysia Dragoon again, and <laughs> exactly. I love and I love both, Elysia. Both Dragoon. you and I looked at that game and were like Elysia Dragoon. Yeah, with Mega Man. Okay, yeah, it doesn't look like Inafune actually had much to do with this or anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. But it is Integrates, and they made Mega Man Zero, so yeah. Well, they also made Ma- Mighty Number no. Nine, and I think yeah. they're doing Bloodstain now. Mm-hmm. Like, huh. They're four higher. Yeah. Well, Mega Man ZX was really good too, so yeah, I'm down with them making 2D games. ZX Advent, not so great. Uh, not so great, but ZX was really good. Yeah, I like ZX. And Mega Man 9. Yeah. Whoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mega Man 10, not so much. So Bloodstained 2 and Mighty Number no. 10, we can... <laughs> what? <laughs> we can feel crappy about. But <laughs> no, it's Mighty Number no. 9 Part 2. Yeah. <laughs> Exclusive release on the Dreamcast. <laughs> I mean, it practically looks like a Dreamcast game already. It does. Oh. Damn. <laughs> You know what I love about Bloodstain though? Mm. The fucking subtitle Ritual of the Night. Like <laughs> be more on be, the nose. Yeah, really. <laughs> Come on, guys. The only way it could be more on the nose would be like having it be a musical yeah. for noun. Yeah. yeah. They were they consulted lawyers like how far can we go? Yeah, how like, far? <laughs> like how close can we get the symphony without pushing it? Orchestra mm-hmm. of the night. Sixteenth <laughs> note of the ninth. <laughs> I was gonna go with concerto, but those are good too. <laughs> I na- I did a science. I did a um, project report in tenth grade about um, a really really sad book called Night. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to be a smartass, and I snuck in as many, like, Castlevania titles into the, <laughs> oh my the God. paper as I could. So, like, I referenced, like, talking about uh, – oh, never mind. But some really sad things, and then said, like, Portrait of Ruin. 
<laughs> it was a portrait of ruin. <laughs> I sang an aria of sorrow. I, t- I said aria of sorrow, and then I titled it Symphony of the Night. Good lord. <laughs> the teacher graved it, graded it seven out of order of Ecclesia. <laughs> <laughs> Got an A. <laughs> Ah, American school systems. Yeah. So, have we t- have we hit that all we want, or do we want to go I, to email? Yes, we do have an yep. email. All right, <gasps> hit us uh, up. Me, what is your favorite Kirby game and why? Did we answer this one already? Probably. I think I swear we've answered this before. I love um, epic yarn, epic yarn, epic yarn. Epic <laughs> yarn is really good, but I'm still going to stick with adventure because I think that that game, just like you know, just because of what I look for in games, it's like I love. Kirby's Epic Yarn for the wonderful cuddliness and cuteness that mm-hmm. it is because it melts my cold, dead heart. Um, but Kirby's Adventure just has... But Kirby's Adventure is charm. just... Yeah, Kirby's Adventure is just such an achievement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Kirby Superstar. Superstar, yeah, I was going to say. Because that wasn't my first one. I actually played the game, second Game Boy one first. Mm-hmm. But Superstar was just like on a whole other level. Like You had multiple moves per item mm-hmm. and yeah all the gameplay modes and then revenge of men and night and then the crazy ending with marks like that is a game that kind of goes for it which i always appreciate and it's like not only does that game go for it and it has like all of these different varieties of gameplay but each one of those like little mini games is like way longer than you'd expect mm-hmm. like they're yeah. pretty big oh and the whole uh the you won yeah i've never I've tried to get into Superstar like five or six uh, times. I should try to nail, try to really dig into that one. But I beat the first mi- the first game like six times. <laughs> and I was like, all right, time to do the other ones, and then just stop for whatever reason. Isn't the first one like a super miniature remake of Adventure? Basically, uh, the first one's a super miniature remake of the first Game Boy yeah, game. Yeah. Oh right. Which That's isn't actually that miniature because the first Game Boy game is like twenty minutes long. Yeah. Oh jeez. It's but five yeah, it, levels. It's pretty it has, great. It has like the forest boss, the Lolo boss, the Kraken. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's five levels long, and you can't copy abilities. But yeah. it's oh, still, it's God, actually pretty yeah. good and well done. Yeah, you can't copy abilities in the first Kirby game. That was not a thing until Kirby's <laughs> Dreamland Two. That's so weird. I, I thought it. No, I think Adventure. I thought Adventure came out before Dreamland Two. I think so. Did it? I'm checking. Why do you? <laughs> You don't fact check on this podcast, <laughs> Ding Dong. Boom! Adventure came first, and then Pinball Land, and then two <laughs> years later, Dream Course, Avalanche, and then Dreamland Two. <laughs> Pinball Land is pretty good. So just yeah, Kirby's say, Dreamland uh, Two uh, came out just in 1995 on the Game Boy. Wow. Yeah. Game Boy had a long life. Don't forget. Yeah, and Dreamland Three came out in 1997 on the wow. Super Nintendo. But but that's still before Pokemon. Yeah. Like And that's still pre Pokemon. Jeez. Game Boy had like a literally a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's actually not that close. It's not that far behind Pokemon. Pokemon came out in nineteen ninety six in Japan. Mm-hmm. It, that's what's so crazy though, is that the localization took so long. Well, they made all the graphics prettier. They waited until they remade the game basically yeah. with prettier yeah. graphics and everything, and then released that here. They had Pokemon um, blue. They had Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green, and then they released Blue version, and then released Blue version here along with a Red version updated to include Blues. Yeah. Um, upgrades. Mm-hmm. 
just kind of staggering how the Game Boy had a second, literally like a second life. Yeah, a second life. Yeah. Yeah. Over 10 years. (laughs) Crazy. Mm -hmm. That was something I noticed when putting together uh, like the Gen 5 lists and stuff, where it's like, there are no Pokemon games on the SNES because they were way later and on the yeah. N64. Yeah. Like, it's so weird how Game Boy was concurrent with the NES, then the SNES, then the N64. And Salute then- to you, Mr. Gunpei Yokoi. That was a hell of a console. Yeah. Goddamn. Cool. So is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to dedicate Metroid to... Um, Met- <laughs> Fugitive to Gunpei Yokoi, but I couldn't figure out a classy way to include it in the credits. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want us to read your dumb little words here on our podcast, you can shoot us an email to podcast at socksmakepeoplesexy.net, and we'll have Rhett read it in his usual enthused tone. Oh, yeah, super enthused. All right. John, where <laughs> are we looking for you on the internet? Um, farawaytimes.com, and um, next month I'm actually publishing a... Um, Saga 2 article on Zeal. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and, be sure um, to plug that again uh, when we yeah. get closer to the release of that. I'm excited about that. I, they're releasing a Sonic, a, a three-part Sonic Adventure opus oh, by Fangji, uh, by um, Zolani, who I follow on Twitter, and he's super cool. Um, but yeah, I'm on farawaytimes.com. Can't be that cool if he's got anything positive. He can't be that cool if he's got anything positive to say about Sonic Adventure. It's oh, my God. not very positive. Oh, good. Then I'll the, read it. The, the first part. Oh, it isn't? Out. Oh. Okay. He, it's um, like calling the game a confused mess, but with confidence. <laughs> eh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I Let's guess. be honest. It all hinges on if he mentions Pink Birdie. Yes. If he mentions Pink we'll Birdie, then out. we're all cool. All right. Yeah. Before we spiral out of control into that topic <laughs> yeah. again. God damn Zola- runs Critical Switch with um, <laughs> oh, Austin. So- Sonic, really cool. you're right. You came ah, back to Sonic again, motherfucker. Rhett, where can <laughs> we find you? Uh, I redid the front page of my website. Yeah, so you, you did. You no longer have to go to the horribly, to horrible to type inconsequentialexistence.com. You can now also go to in3.tumblr.com. That's i-n-t-h-r-i.tumblr.com. Not in three three. No, no, no. There are no threes <laughs> in that name at all. We ate them, all of them. And I'm Polly. I'm an idiot. You can find me in the ether. Watch the sky for me. Watch the night. Uh, And remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you.